What's up to everyone out there? Let me just start by reminding everyone while my uh, guests are here getting things sorted out. Smash the thumbs ups as you guys are coming in, first of all, all right? Smash the thumbs ups, ring the bell, all that kind of good stuff. Share it. If you're listening to us on audio, welcome to the show. Big welcome to everyone who's listening to us through the Firearms Radio Network, because we are on the Firearms Radio Network. I guess we're officially there, and I know that uh, people are downloading it from there. We haven't got all the bugs worked out, so if, you, if you're having some issues, you may have to go to hankstrange.com and listen to everything through there, but that's the place to go anyway. Go to hankstrange.com, sign up for our email list. Um, over at hankstrange.com, you can find our link to U.S. Law shield you could use our promo code hank that gets you two free months on an annual membership plus the locked in rate of 1095 a month right and you can find that it's in the i've got it in the chat here if you guys want to see it i just threw it up there or you can go to hankstrange.com as well as we are uh you know we're we're also doing uh blackout coffee although lola neglected to give me any coffee here but we're doing blackout coffee and there's uh links and all that kind of stuff in the description maybe if i'm really super nice lola will actually bring me some coffee or some some cold brew or some hot chocolate or something i don't know i'll i'll try bagging we'll see what happens with that one okay that being said let's uh i've got everyone in here let's pop the open welcome back to the hank stream all right guys situation. welcome back make sure Lifestyle. you hit that subscribe button smash the thumbs ups ring the bell so you can be notified when we go live there we go did we lose Ke what what happened to kevin dixie okay here we go <laughs> kevin dixie he hit the button <laughs> He hit some kind of... <laughs> I hit the wrong button. <laughs> yeah. Wait, hold on. Let me see. Did you hit Did you hit the button, Kevin? Yeah. I can... that's, what we, that's what we're doing now? <laughs> I didn't kick you out. <laughs> that wasn't me. No. Well, something kicked me out. Oh, I don't know what that is. That uh, wasn't me. That, that was wasn't... rude. No. <laughs> that wasn't me. Maybe that was, uh, you know, FBI or CIA or something like that listening to us. All right. Listen, let's do this. Jazz hands, come on, everybody, with the jazz hands. Let's show the folks the jazz hands. There you go. There you go. Kevin's about to jab you up. <laughs> I hope you guys have your big girl panties on. This is episode 824 of the Who Move My Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Hank Strange. Um, as I said, my guests here are Kevin Dixie. There he goes, Diximus Maximus. Back in the building. What is going on, good folks? Good to be with you again. What's up, Kevin? I hope everything's good. Uh, I feel like I saw you not too long ago here, but, you know, always happy to have you here. And, uh, yeah, thanks. Also, I was just, uh, go ahead. What are you saying? No, I'm just, it's good. I was like being partially, um, uh, like, I don't want to use the word paralyzed, but I'm, I've just got mobility back in my right side and my neck and chest area in the last, uh, four hours. So it's been a good day so far. Oh, wait a second. How, oh my goodness. How did you lose? What, what happened yeah. to you? Some some muscle, and I don't know. There's only one like medical professional person on the thingy. Uh, some <laughs> big muscle in my neck got really up, so it like connects to like literally the back of your ear, down my neck, into my shoulders, and through my arm, and it mm -hmm. got knotted up. So, so to like, move was to like break out the tears. What was that, Joanna? Yeah. Uh, who? He sounds like he's got torticollis. There's a medical uh, medical condition, yeah. also known as like painful stiff neck. She says you have turtle you colitis. Today I learned. Turtle colitis. 
Yeah, but it, it was. It, I don't. I don't know if it's permanent. I mean, I was able to go to the. Um, I have the. Um, what's those people called? The bone people, chiropractor. I have oh, okay. one of those like literally right behind me. So I walked right over there, and they were uh, like, got face got big. Soon she touched me. She's like, "Ooh, okay." So, um, so then I thought I was gonna die. Then mm-hmm. she tried to do the snack crapple pop with your neck thing, and my neck wouldn't even pop. So she's like, "Yeah, you're in you're in bad shape." So that's cool. Yeah. I'm you're, better now. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Next time before you handle the business, make sure you stretch. That's my advice to you. <laughs> you know, man. Uh, yeah. And it was the neck muscle too, which is a whole another conversation. Yeah, man. You know, hey. At least you were doing your thing. At least if someone got some pleasure out of it, <laughs> that's all that counts. Uh, let me go on to the next guest here. We have Joanna and Rolando. In the title, I put just Joanna. I didn't know Rolando. We were going to get a we we're going to get a two for oh, out good. Of these guys. You got two for one tonight. Yes, absolutely. Welcome to the show, Latinos locked and loaded. Right, locked and loaded. Oh, locked Latino. and loaded Latinos. Oh, great <laughs> Yeah, we got to make it tough for you every time. Yeah, how are you guys doing? We're doing fantastic. We literally got off of work. Uh, and then five minutes after that, we were on John Crump's show, which was always a good time. Then we ran out to get fast food and then rushed back. And now we're on your show. It's okay, a good day. awesome. Yes, welcome to the show to both of you guys. And uh, John Crump actually gave us a super chat that I got to credit him money, for. Money, 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 money. <laughs> oh, I, have, I, have I have to address a rumor. Okay. Hank. Uh-huh. Oh, I heard. So we see <laughs> Flying Riches in the chat. Um, mm-hmm. And Flying Riches is a friend of ours. So I just wanted to find out if this is true. Are you, I heard on the grapevine that you're actually trying to poach Flying Rich from John Crump's show. Is this true? <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> they're, try- <laughs> they're trying their darndest to, to uh, start this rumor. I mean, you know. <laughs> Everyone knows I'm the copy, the tutti copy of all of this, right? So everyone, <laughs> all, all these flying rich, we made, we made flying rich. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we put flying rich on the map. We put all the riches on the map. Richard Hoffman, flying rich, you know, Richard Hoffman of BWE, flying rich, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, but you know, uh, I guess... Everyone now, now it's like, man, all those guys, I see them the other day I saw. So you guys were on, on Crump tonight. The -hmm. other day, Patrick was over there. I think he told me, I spoke to Crump today. I think he said he had Patrick flying rich and fricking Richard Hoffman. When I start seeing Kevin Dixie showing up there with those dudes, then it's, (laughs) I don't know, man. Crumb, Crumble's a cool cat. I don't know, Hank. If he, yeah, if he exactly. called me, you know, I might, yeah. I might have to cheat on you, bro. I don't know. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> he's uh, he, he's like the Pied Piper or something like that. I don't know what he's, I don't know what the hell he's uh, he's giving out over there. But it's it's cool. That's that's my homie. You know, Crump is the homie. So you know, we're we're cool. We're cool with that. I'm not mad. I'm not mad. Not at all. You know. Just a little uh, bit. Just and little can bit. I can I take a moment to, to say to I didn't get a chance to say hi. Oh, okay. Go ahead. To Rowan Joe. So Okay, go uh, ahead. What's up? Uh Ro, I gotta be like I gotta put my tough voice on for uh uh Ro, what up, Ro? What up, Doc? You good? <laughs> what's going on, Chilling? KD? Okay, cool. Good to see you. I feel like hey, I haven't seen Joe. you in forever. <laughs> I know, man. I know. Okay, I'm done talking to you. Hey. Yeah, Joe. he already moved <laughs> off from you, man. It's, that was just formalities. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's formalities. He's not even. No, we got hey, these, these two. We got to really, really uh, spend some quality time down in Texas together. Like they were already my phase, but they've they've even solidified themselves more. Man, I love these two. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, they're good people. Thank good you. People. No, we feel the same way, Katie. Yeah, we're all. Katie, I think, let us. Uh, mm-hmm, go ahead. Let us use his car and everything. So That's we're, true, we're family true, now. True uh, sign of family if you, you trust us enough yes. not to crash your car. Kevin Dixie let you. Yep. Do, you know what, Kevin? You don't let me drive no freaking cars. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I wouldn't. Have you seen the way you drive your car? <laughs> I tr- <laughs> Kevin, I drove you around the other day, man. I drove you around. You were totally safe. Did anything happen to you? Yeah, I yeah. And I, I don't know if that was you being polite. And you were also <laughs> complaining about the lack of power of the vehicle, too. So, <laughs> I'm not sure. And that, that was, um, yeah, Hank did drive, drive, drive me around in a $100,000 Sprinter van. So he did do that. Right. right. Uh, he didn't crash. Nice. I'll give you that. No, it wasn't mine. It belonged to uh, it belonged to Brownells. So Brownells, yeah. I got to drive that thing um, a couple of times too before we left, and I was like, "It's it's interesting." I just I think I got a I got beef with vans, man. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. It's just the way that they look at the road. What do you mean? Is it too like, high? I, I don't know what it is. Is it too high? It is. is it not? I don't know. No, because it's the same way with like the uh, the only van that I've ever like dug was the GMC. Um, Safari style Astro mm-hmm. van, like the little conversion vans. Mm-hmm. Those are the only ones I've ever really liked, and they sit a lot closer to the ground. I don't know what it is. I mean, that Sprinter van is nice. Your Ford's nice too. I don't know, but I, it's something about a van. I don't know, but your Ford doesn't look like a van either. No, not okay. really. Yeah, my Ford. I, like definitely, I don't know. It's weird. My Ford has more power than mm. this. a Sprinter van. The most power you can get in a Sprinter van is 180 horsepower. Like 180, 88, I think, is the highest you can get. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this, like, my van has 310 horsepower and, like, 400 and something torques. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a lot, you know. Plus, so it's all, plus, it's, plus it's all-wheel drive, which you can put, you know, whatever you are getting down to the ground. So, mm-hmm. it's a completely, completely different experience. Because uh, I was flexing uh, on the pools. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have one of those traction boards strapped to your your van just in case you go off road? No, I have go treads. I have okay. go okay. treads. Yeah. Um. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's the one that folds out, so it could fold yeah, yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have those. Um. Let me get this real quick. K and M arms. Shout out to him. I see him out there. He says, "Hey, I, I guess I need to go on Crump. Crump is in the <laughs> chat. Talk to him. He'll be happy to have you." Have you come on the show, Ken? Um, I don't know if you guys know K and M Arms, but he makes uh he makes a, a really cool bullpup, the M seventeen oh, cool. S. Yeah. Uh so shout out to him in the chat. So what's going on with it with you two guys? What's you know, I don't know like we got Kevin Dixie here. I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know what's going on with the you. I feel like uh the Latinos, the locked and loaded Latinos have been up to a lot of Damn, Kevin, that is a big. That's a big, that's stick. A big stick. What the hell is? Hey, look, this is a family family friendly show. Okay, let's just keep it that way. <laughs> All right, let's, let's just keep it that, that way. That is a dookie. Oh, this, oh, finish talking. Look, man, I was just lighting this lighting this doggy, man. Finish talking about <laughs> that uh, thing is too <laughs> massive. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like I feel like you guys have been doing. What do you a want lot me to do, Hank? <laughs> I don't know. What do you want me to do? It's what I got. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel like uh, what, you guys have been, been doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, well, we've been hanging out with KD, like we said. <laughs> Pretty much. We were actually smoking cigars with KD quite often uh, one, mm -hmm. uh, a few weeks ago. But we uh, mm -hmm. really the big thing that we've been up to, we had, I think the last time that we were on, we talked about the Solutionary Summit. So mm -hmm. we did uh, we did a lot of interviews there and we had our, our equipment there. And uh, we went to Fort Worth um, at the beginning of October and we spoke at the USCCA Expo. Uh, twice, and then we spoke at AmCon uh, in that same weekend. We actually went in between uh, the two venues because they were on different sides of uh, Fort Worth area. And then we took a week off to be sick. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we had the coup for a week, and then uh, but we were fine. It wasn't that big of a deal, and now we're back. But okay. yeah, uh, AmCon and uh, USCCA was big for us. We it was our first in public, in person speaking engagement like that. We've done a lot of like online. On that level, on that yeah. level, yeah. We've done a few yeah. online ones, but that was our first, you know, really there. Because uh, I think, oh, initially it's like, we, we got into advocacy right at the beginning of 2020. And then all our speaking events for 2020 ended up being uh, virtual. After, virtual because of, you know, what happened with the pandemic. So everything got canceled and, and turned virtual. And so this is finally like when the era of things are coming back to being live. So mm -hmm. that was kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, got to spend a lot of time with cool people. Learned uh, learned a lot about ourselves and getting things prepared. And, and it was good practice. I think that we did pretty well. I'm pretty happy with how yeah. things turned out. And I liked uh, the USCCA Expo a lot. Hopefully we can go back next year. Uh, yeah, it'll be got, in Fort Worth again. a lot again. of really cool ideas for them uh, to improve upon it and get, you know, more people going. So I think it's a really good event. Um, I've never been to an AMRAM, but I felt, I don't know if it's like that at AMRAM, but I love the fact that the average person can go. It's affordable. If you're a USCCA member, it's free. And if you're not, it's like 20 bucks, I think. And the level of the seminars are just like epic. Like I actually was sad that I didn't get uh, time to attend some of them because they were like tra medical trauma. And then um, Katie's was actually really fantastic. I actually was surprised. He had one of those titles where you weren't really sure um, what the seminar was going to be about. You thought you had some preconceived notion and then you actually sat through it and it's like, wow, I didn't see it going that way. So, and it was really, really just a great seminar. Um, that really made you think. And yeah, I had like a lot of, uh, my friend Beth Alcazar did a lot of speaking. So I got to see her in action. She's epic. And it was just lots of like hands-on. If you're like looking, looking to, um, to buy a gun and you want to try things out, that's a perfect opportunity. You can go handle the gun on the floor, um, at the vendor booths, and then you can go actually shoot it for free in their, uh, shooting range that they have right there. So yeah, they had like a cool, really cool tractor trailer that had two, yeah. two shooting lanes inside of it and all that. So that was pretty cool. Oh yeah. That it was cool. in the venue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, Kevin did that event with you and he's done NRAM. I don't know, Kevin, what's the comparison? NRAM sounds a lot like that, except you couldn't just go right off and do the shooting thing. I think. Um, I would say that the big difference between the two is that the floor size, uh, I think the footprint for NRAM is a little bit bigger. Um, in uh, USCCAs, the one thing I like about them is that there are more of the classroom and the breakout sections and lectures to attend. Um, and then I like the fact that a lot of the lectures are actually happening on the floor, too. Right. So you could be walking one minute looking at a cool gadget, a gadget, and you turn around and you got Lena Mikulik on stage teaching you about draw or speed shooting. Right. So it was a lot uh, more interactive when you look at it that way. 
So to me, I prefer that. I like to be able to look at doodads and I can go 30, 40 feet one direction and find someone else presenting. It keeps mm-hmm. you it gets it doesn't become so mundane because there's right. so much yeah. going on. Yeah, I really I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that kind of um, the only place I've seen that kind of format is when I go to the NAB show in Vegas, which works like that. So you can walk around and go to all these different booths like you can go to Adobe and you can go to Canon or Sony or whatever mm-hmm. other companies are there. You can see drones or whatever. And then Adobe will have a thing where you can sit down there and go through a lecture on how to use, you know, uh, Adobe Premiere or something like that. Right. And you can sit in on that and then you can leave and go do whatever. So that that is a cool way where people can break up their day instead of just walking around or just mm-hmm. going and doing all the shooting. So that sounds cool. Yeah, yeah, we really like the format and where, what direction they're going to take. I think they're going to be in Fort Worth for the next four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like the city a lot. It's like a pretty small, very yeah, walkable walk city. It's everywhere. like, yeah, you can walk pretty much everywhere. And it's like five mm-hmm. blocks uh, square, the entire downtown area. And it was... Uh, it had a historic feel. I was telling Katie that I had a crush on all the historic old buildings. And he thought mm-hmm. I was weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, trust but, me, Katie. Uh, but it was cool. I like- you don't know the half of the weirdness of Joanna. She's into <laughs> she's into freaking K-pop, man. I don't know if Kevin Dixon knows. She that. she K-pop, Katie bonded is that the Japanese or Korean pop it's, pop culture pop music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I've been into it for like ten years. Oh, like whatever. Young sure. kids. Oh, right. Just sure. got into it now. Oh, <laughs> she's you know? she's an OG. Huh? She's an OG K-pop yeah. fan. Yeah. I, am. I listen to the old school stuff, man. Right, um, right. Lola Lo- had a question. I don't, I don't think you two, you two didn't um, give yourself uh, any kudos. My, how come you didn't, you didn't say anything because they had a fantastic presentation as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the whole minority within the minority presentation, right? And they okay. presented twice. So you guys actually spoke three times over the weekend, right? We did. Yeah, we actually yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You so. spoke at two events. You spoke at two events, a total of three times, and one weekend. Yep. Yep. And you just think nothing of that. That's just nothing, huh? Well, I mean... We were really excited for the opportunity. That's that's what we do. That's what we do, sir. (laughs) Katie put us on the spot here. But this is why we love Katie, because he's done this from the start. Since we were uh, baby advocates, where we didn't know what we were going to do. Day one, like, tell the story. Okay, so uh, I'll throw the story out. So um, in case you guys haven't heard it, we were invited to... I was going to say the story of uh, at, at Sidini's house. Yeah, that's what I was going to okay, say. Okay. So I had to do the setup. So uh, Argo J, uh, you guys uh, may or may not know. If you don't, you should. He's another great uh, Second Amendment advocate, one of our brothers as well. He uh, invited us to SHOT Show in 2020. He was unveiling a, a rifle there. And on the first night that we were there, we ended up going to Mike Sedini's house, another great guy you should check out, uh, his organization, Walk the Talk America, for uh, suicide Jake, presentation. With, with Jake not from State Jake Farm. Jake not from State Farm, his, uh, his partner in crime there. And uh, so we were all at, at uh, Mike Sedini's house and we were having some food, smoking some cigars. And, you know, we're, we're having a good time. We're like, oh, look at us. We're hanging out with, uh, with, with KD, Tony Simon, Argo, Jay, and Mike Sedini. Like, this is cool. And then, uh, you and know. And Armand was there, too. From yeah, Prime and Protection. Armand from Prime Protection and, and uh, Brigitte's wife was there. Oh, yeah, and, yes, and of course. Big, big yeah. shout out to Brigitte. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, she's got a really right. nice yeah. pistol that's purple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But uh, and they they have a great shop up in St. Louis that uh, people should check out if you're in the area. Prime Protection. I love uh, those but, guys. Those guys are awesome. Yeah, They've always fantastic. I've been seeing them a shot show and an NRA. Was it shot show? Yeah, I've been seeing them at both shot show and NRA for years, man. And they would just always come up and 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 hug us and give us nothing oh, but yeah. love. So those guys are awesome. Yeah, even, before, some the, even before I met Kevin Dixie. Yeah, they're some of the best people that you'll ever meet. They'll give the shirt right off your back, and they mm-hmm. do a lot of great stuff in the community. So check them out. Give them some love, mm-hmm. especially if you're in uh, in Missouri and you need to buy a firearm. Go ahead and check out their shop. Mm-hmm. But uh, so uh, we were all hanging out there, and then you know, Katie is with his stoic look as he as he usually does smoking his cigar, and he's like, "So oh, we're smoking Katie's cigars. personal cigars. <laughs> he had." Mm-hmm. He had made, and they were very floral and very good cigars. Anyway, I'm sorry. Oh, I wait a second. What are the? Do you actually have your own cigars that you're selling? I, this- I made a blend, and oh. I, I had a roller roll my blend, and then I noticed that um, the ATF is in my life in more than just one way. So <laughs> 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 I could give them out, which is what I did, but I'm not allowed to sell them. So um, I stopped uh-huh. having them rolled, but I'm looking to have that. Come back to life. And Wait a second. The- ATF actually got up on you? Oh, look at that. She still has the label for it. She still has it. Look at you, girl. Oh, NLC. Okay. Hold on. Let's yeah, it's see. Not gonna, it's not on auto. No, no. Hold it right there. Hold it right there. Oh, okay, right there. There you go. There yeah, you NLC. Go. I can see the NLC in it. I, that's how much, like, he doesn't understand, like, how, meant, how much that meant to me. Like, I knew exactly where this was. I've, I've kept it. It's been that was a years. special moment that uh, in our advocacy. Yeah, because Katie turned to us and he was like, so what are you guys going to do? What's your plan? What are you going to do as advocates? And uh, obviously we thought about it, but we'd never really see here on the spot. Like Katie, one of the OG guys that we respect is asking us this question right now. And so, you know, um, we let him know what we were going to do. And I think two years later, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I mean, I'm proud of what we've achieved so far and uh, the opportunities that we've been given. And uh, hopefully everybody else that's helped us along the way is, uh, is happy with uh, is happy with what we've done, too, and where we're going. And obviously, Hank, you've given us big opportunities here on the show. I mean, we never thought about doing a podcast until you brought us on a couple of times. And we're like, hey, mm-hmm. I think we can do this. So that's kind of that that story there. So uh, you guys are putting the work there. in, man. You guys are putting the work mm-hmm. in. I think, Thank you. you know, the whole point of. The whole point of why, like, I do this and it, even I think KD does stuff, you know, like KD's added a lot to this podcast as have you guys. Like, you know, maybe we're the ones putting it on or whatever. But I think the reason why those folks out there keep coming back and watching and hanging out with us and uh, going through all the trials and tribulations is because all of you guys come on and, you know, you add you add something to this. And the whole point of it is this, right, that it helps us to do things for each other, like you know, we can encourage you. KD can go, hey, what do you guys want to do? Maybe I can can help, uh, you know, set you guys in the right direction and all of that. That's what this is all about, man. The more you help people to achieve their goals and dreams and aspirations, the more you help yourself, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Kudos, man. I think I think these two have been um, have been awesome. And you know what, man? And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter um, what I think right it just matters that you did that's it mm-hmm. right and my job was to never um you know be the, the overseer and be like yeah you pleased me no i just saw something in you and i wasn't gonna sit there and just let this night go away in laughter without saying you're being watched 
right? Because not you're being watched because you're being managed or you need to get someone's approval. You're being watched because there is an aura and an energy on you. And I don't want to see it go to go to waste. So that's where the, the challenge came from. What are you going to do? Because sitting around, being around this is cool, but, you know, join the league, right? Just don't sit there, like join the league, right? And so now to look up and see you guys rocking our shows, you mean you presented more that weekend than I did, right? <laughs> and uh, you were invited to both events. You went around, you did your pr- presentations, your talks, which means people are listening to you. They want to hear your perception. They're learning from you. Right. And which is something I knew you guys could do the entire freaking time. So, no, my job wasn't to be the overseer. and like, oh, please me. Doesn't matter what I thought or what I think. It matters that you did it and you didn't sit on your butt and make excuses about what you could be doing, which is what ninety nine point nine percent of people in America do. One day I'll do it. You guys just did it. So now kudos to you, man. All the pass on the back. Go to you guys. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. It means a lot. Yeah, can't argue that. I think you guys are doing a good thing and you're not necessarily doing what you're doing like everyone else, which is. Another awesomeness, right? We all have, I think everyone out there has something uh, cool and different to offer to this stuff that we're doing. And, and, you know, I think you guys are very for real about what you're doing. I hope that uh, as time goes on here, more people pay attention and come on board and help you guys out. I don't know if you care about that or if you're looking for anything like that or you guys are just planning like, hey, we're going to be be independent and do our thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we talking about like follower numbers? Because it's like, I don't, I, I was telling Rolo, I just, I don't care. Um, I mean, I do because it means your message is getting out there to mm-hmm. more people. And that's the real goal versus like anything that you would get from getting those numbers. Like, does that make sense? It's like, I don't care about the, the praise or like the, Oh, you guys are somebody. I'm like, I don't care if we're never like, if we ever make it to, you know, name recognition. I don't care about that. I just want to oh. make sure that our message gets out there and that right. we can actually put a positive like foot forward. Yeah, you know, I think Gio said something along the lines of like it's a mm-hmm. it's gonna be like a multi generational um, effort that we're gonna be making. It's not you know the two A isn't gonna be unless of course some big Supreme Court thing happens like uh, will maybe in November, but. It, it's not even if that doesn't happen in my lifetime, it's like I just want to know that I kept the erosion from getting a little bit worse. You know, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, like that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure where Kevin is on this, but I don't know. Um, numbers, numbers in terms of followers and everything matters, right? Like how many people are looking at something or whatever definitely matters. I think it's difficult to really gauge that number those numbers on their own in this thing that we're doing and i'll I'll tell you guys why because you know we are being um artificially suppressed typically Mm -hmm. on the platforms i'm not saying that as a cop-out i think that everyone knows deliberately out there the different platforms youtube uh instagram facebook whatever it is they're they're practicing to suppress people saying what we're saying right and so I wouldn't spend a lot of time worrying about that. You guys came in at a time when it's very difficult to grow under those circumstances. But if you're getting your voice, you're putting your voice out there, believe this, there's people looking and listening 
to what you're saying that you're not aware of. Not everyone is getting in the comments and saying stuff or not everyone's following you on social media, but they're looking at things. Even what we mm -hmm. do here. I mean, this, this, this uh, particular thing that we do here has been suppressed versus the beginning when I started doing this. But all the time, there's, there's people who look at this and it always surprises me of who they are in the industry. And then I get the feedback. And I realize, okay, it's getting out there, but it's going through a filter before it does that. That's yeah, that's actually exactly what I was going to say. That a lot of the feedback that we get, we've been surprised because we've obviously wanted to target more people like us, like just normal people that are a couple that are into you know uh, the stuff not that happens. Like us, he means like we're not operators or anything. Well, no, not like people that weren't trainers that weren't necessarily uh, you know people in the industry to begin with like kind of the casual gun owner or, you know, the millennial couple that's into video games or, or pop cultural stuff that they own guns and they like guns, but they're not necessarily in, in the culture. And it's, we've gotten more feedback from people actually in the industry that are like, Whoa, we, we haven't like seen this before uh, portrayed this way. And it's been kind of interesting to see that. And you're, you're right. That's kind of what we've seen when we go places uh, you know, some people that were like, we wouldn't expect or like, oh, you guys are locked and loaded Latinos. I like what you do. And it's always pretty surprising how that is and who who are the ones that give us the feedback sometimes. It's yeah. not what we would have expected. So it's mm -hmm. I, I agree. That's kind of what you see sometimes. The numbers on YouTube or social media don't necessarily reflect who your audience is and who's actually paying attention yeah. all the time. So I want to shout out Triggerology in the, uh, the chat. It's a good friend of ours. I okay. think that's a, a good statement. I think every single time someone decides to reclaim their power of self-determination, that is a win. And that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. That's why yeah. he does what he does too. Yep. Yeah. And you know, sometimes, sometimes Kevin, we all have that, um, <laughs> we all have that desire. I'm not going to pretend like I don't, you know, sometimes want to like cry about it. You know what I mean? Because sometimes mm -hmm. I do. <laughs> Sometimes I want to cry and complain about it. I like these guys because they don't really do that. They just go out and do what they do and people pay attention. Go ahead. You know, I, I think when it, and first of all, hello to everyone in the chat. I'm sorry if I if I was remiss of saying that. Hello to everyone. Thanks for being with on the show, being with the show tonight. Um, when it comes to, to the numbers, yeah, man, they can they can absolutely bother you. I think what everybody said has a lot of merit, right? Obviously, there is a suppression of, of voices and messages getting out. Um, and I often tell people that if you want to do two-way content just do guns and you're still going to get suppressed but don't give your opinion on anything because the only thing that gets you more suppressed than guns is when you speak up for people and you push for their freedom then they're yeah. really going to get you yeah right so that's um, so true that man. becomes kind of a that yeah. becomes kind of a thing and then just be solidified in what you do you know everyone this this old archaic attitude of oh when you come into the freedom realm which is why i don't even call it the gun world the freedom realm, you can only do like a thing, right? So either be a podcaster, either be a firearms instructor or a YouTube content creator, like pick a thing and do that one thing. And unfortunately, you know, I've never been good at letting people tell me what to do. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just had someone, I had a couple of comments on my page the other day and they were, they were meant and, and very kind and they were meant as a compliment and I take mm -hmm. them as a compliment, but it was kind of like, you know, Hey man, I, I, I would love to see you do more with your voice because you challenge people to think. And I'm like, yeah. And, and all that in due time. And I'm actually working on not one, but two books now. And there is a lot of, a lot of things I'm cooking up behind the scenes, right? Everything in due time. But I appreciated that. There are other people that are like, um, 
what are you? Like, mm. am I am I coming here for gun stuff or am I coming here for civil rights? I'm like, you're coming for both, right? Or you come for one and you'll stay for the other. And if you don't, because oh, I only want to hear this guy talk about firearms training, then do leave. I don't I don't know what else to say to I you. Mean, like I, I can't. I'm not going to. I'm not. I w- I tell people all the time. It's okay for people to unfollow you as long as you don't unfollow yourself. Mm-hmm. It's okay because yeah. you I have to stick to who you of, are. Mm-hmm. I, gotta, I, I get a kick out of when I see that on. I've seen a few times of people comment about something they don't like what you said, and they're like, "Well, I'm gonna like what you said. I'm gonna unfollow you." It's like, <laughs> do you really think that okay. matters? That's what he believes in. Yeah, come yeah. on. Now. I, I mean, want, I only want adults. I prefer uh, to have when I say adults. I mean, in the mindset. To engage with me anyway. So if, if you if I can say something outside mm. of something morally corrupt and you're like, oh, I'm unfollowing you because my my view on something then dude, that's on you. I'm not going to tell you to unfollow. I'm not going to do any of that. But I also realize that people haven't trained themselves to accept the fact that, you know, the way that we are now is beautiful. Right. I had um, one guy. And, and once again, this is not not to be insulting. But it's a guy who's uh, who works with a couple of very, very famous people. And I just happened a few weeks ago to be standing in a range and happened to be talking to somebody and happened to be presenting. Oh, actually, Ron Joe, you were there. Right. So um, I was presenting to somebody at the range and I think I was talking about red dots. I might have been talking to you. I might have been talking to you about red dots. But either way, I was. Mm. Yeah, I might have been talking. I was talking about red dots and the way that they fit on the guns. And and I went on this little 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 rant about them. Right. Like mm-hmm. how much I love RDSs and how they come from and which one to pick and why you pick one. And somebody there, I got a message two days later saying, oh, man, because I was supposed to be working on this video with this certain entertainer. And I get a message a couple of days later saying, oh, man, we definitely got it. We have definitely got to link up and get this video to happen because I didn't realize you were that advanced with guns. I'm like, <laughs> it's great. Like I don't take that as an insult. It wasn't meant to be insulting, you know. Yeah. But it's yeah. kind of like, why? Why do I have to put up eight videos a day talking about training when I have thousands of students out there and nobody's ever said a bad thing? I will put up training videos here and there, right? And mm-hmm. I'm going to do more of that. But why do? Why am I limited to only talking about guns, or why am I limited to only talking about history, or? Why am I limited to only talking about the civil rights of a person? Me personally, I look at it like this. I'm a little bit, I'm a sprinkle because I'm not him. I'm a sprinkle of MLK and all the ones before him, throwing a little Harriet, little Douglas in there, a little bit of Garvey, sprinkle and mix them all up in together. And I just happen to have better arms and know how to use them yeah. a lot better. Uh, 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 oh, I was going to say a little bit of rerun, but okay. Oh, well, I mean, I'll take the rerun thing. I, I got one of them. <laughs> jo- Joanna, <laughs> Joanna and Rolando didn't even get that. They don't even know about that. I don't think I don't think they get that reference. I can't dance like that, brother. Though, man, rerun. Y'all don't know who rerun is. My God, I feel like I know rerun. Like if you show me, I'll definitely know. Argo Argo actually made a meme out of me and made a rerun. Yeah, I have to go get that meme. Yeah, oh man. Yeah, talk to him about that. That's what you guys are obviously a little bit younger than than we are, but that's probably from our younger days watching TV. I've always tuned in to Kevin Dixie for Kevin Dixie. I think most people are like that, Kevin. Like they tune in to you because of the whole package that is um, Kevin Dixie. That's, you know, that's the way I would I would uh, put that particular thing. I think that's what I like about uh, Rolando and Joanna, that, you know, they are like a specific. 
this they are who they are like they said it here in the beginning you know the she's into k-pop they're nerdy they play video games you know they've they've mm-hmm. got their own way of looking at the world and it's that's interesting to me man i don't think we're supposed to do all the same stuff yeah and smart I think, too. yeah well, thank you <laughs> yeah yeah smart as hell i told i told Ro, i was like all right i'm gonna give you a compliment here son uh but we, were, we think we were down in texas and I mm-hmm. said, you know, I often watch people to see who I would like to debate, right? Because I like the, I like the art of debate, right? Not an argument, just like let's let's wrestle about these issues. And I told him, I was like, yeah, I think you could, I think you can make me sweat a little bit, man. I think you can make me sweat because he, <laughs> he the way that they the way that they come with information is research. Hold on a second. Right? You want to you want of, to get sweaty and wrestle with Rolando? Is that what you're saying? intellectually? Uh, intellectually. Pause. <laughs> intellectually, you know. Uh, okay, like, no, I'm just. But it's, it's a, you know, because that means because he can, they can, and and Joe is no joke either, right? Mm-hmm. Like they just know how to bring up a subject and make you think, which is what people always compliment me, compliment me for. So I told you guys right up in there off until I told um, Coleon the same thing. I told Maj the same thing. Like I'm a debate y'all because I know it'll mm-hmm. be fun, right? Like oh, yeah. I'm just gonna I'm gonna pretend like I'm mad about something just to make up a debate. Yeah. Because it's fun. It's like mental sparring. And so you're, you guys are already sitting up there with the realm of some of the people that I look at and be like, yeah, we got to get in the ring one day. So those yeah. are, at least if my words mean anything, your intelligence is very high. I remember. Hey, I appreciate that. Yeah. I remember that it, um, shot show you guys were talking about that. You said you went to the first one. I think I met you guys at media day on the range. I remember this. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Lola and I had a conversation about this. I remember, first of all, I remember Joanna. Sorry, Rolanda. No, of course you do. Who can? (laughs) I'm just being honest. (laughs) And that smile, that smile again all the time. Yeah, that's what I I met you guys at media day and everything, but I specifically remember Joanna. And then when we all got a chance to talk, my first impression of you guys is that in a lot of ways, you guys are the first couple doing this gun thing that Lola and I have met that we can relate to. I'm not trying to say you guys are uh, like us, but we can kind of relate to you, you know, because we're we're a nerdy couple and all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Like, oh, these these guys are so cool. You know, they're. You know, you when you meet people that you can sync with, it kind of happens like that when you... I remember the first Absolutely. time I met Kevin Dixie. Um, I think, mm-hmm. Kevin, you were trying to... It was a SHOT Show or something. You were trying... It you was like, at NRAM yeah. uh, in Atlanta. Oh, okay. And you're like, I'm going to meet you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Kevin was taking no... Was not taking no for an answer. <laughs> I was not. <laughs> it came official. He had like a squad of goons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dudes, I was like, oh, he's, this dude is rolling deep on me. <laughs> I got my peoples, man. I got my folks now. <laughs> but it was fun. When I met Kevin, I was like, oh, this is one of my people right here, you know? So... I think, you know, that's a beautiful thing in the world where you can meet people and vibe. And I think I believe the folks out there um, that they see that they could see those kinds of things. That's why there's people like like I said before, hanging out and listening to us when Kevin first came on. I remember people kept saying, this guy, this is the dude right here. People I kept getting um, that that kind of comment about Kevin. You know, there was like I mean, I always tell people you're like a gun preacher. You know, that's the way I see you. I don't know if that's the best way mm-hmm. to describe it, but that's the way that I see it. So, you know, and what name's tough too, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think for the folks, for people who are listening to us out there, just be yourselves and, you know, and don't worry about other people. Go ahead, Kevin. What were you going to say? 
No, I mean, that nickname stuck. And I, but I agree to you, man. I mean, you know, that, that's the beautiful thing. We have to be us in the, I like to call it the freedom community. Us in mm-hmm. the freedom community have to be a reflection of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we can't we can't keep being viewed as this mm-hmm. this this section of society that is like, you know, against everyone else. Right. So we need the nerdy video games. We need the the beautiful women, the the ugly men. We need the the farmers. We need the, the hunters. We need the tactical people. We need the people that uh, do a multitude of things. We need the smart business owners. We need we need all that stuff. Right. We need mm-hmm. everybody and everything. And we can't be afraid to be Americans. We, we have mm-hmm. to live our lives. You know, I was often put into a box like, OK, I know my voice is, is strong. Our God gifted me with a good voice. So do I go out and just keep doing what I've been doing for so many years and just do it on the street corners and and do it, you know, at the seminars and, and do it in the group homes and do it in the jails? Do I do it there or am I OK with, you know, actually showing people that I have a, a skill set and a craft when it comes to using firearms? And guess what? I like building families and I like talking to, to people about different things uh, from depression all the way up to automobiles. Like, so why do I have to pigeonhole myself? Mm-hmm. Why can't I be everything that I want to be? Why live in the land of the free and then subject myself to slavery? Right. Mm-hmm. On my own. Right. No, you can't do these things. You sit in that corner and then say you sit in that corner and only do this one thing because other people might be concerned about it. Screw mm-hmm. that. Yeah. No, do you be you be wonderful and, and, and live life. Yeah. If there's if there's a model to this, I had this conversation with uh, John Crump that we were talking about. If you know John, that's a that's like a nerdy white dude, very introverted. <laughs> you know incredibly incredibly intelligent he's got some he's got some things or whatever going on with him and i've been very proud to look at like john's progression over time if you go back and see in the beginning when john's been around doing this stuff for a while right but maybe in the Mm -hmm. background if you look at him now like when he makes a video like i looked at a video he did recently and i was like wow john's just becoming really natural and 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 getting better at doing this stuff and and we have someone that doing his particular thing which he puts some really good stories out there and all that and and he plays a very important role i think with goa this is the whole point of what we're doing there's a place for everyone doing this and if we get together we can help people with some things that maybe they're not strong on to get better and they'll grow over time and it really feels more like a movement i grew up in the hip-hop movement and i'm telling you this thing that we're all doing and playing a part of feels like hip-hop did to me when i came here to america in the early 80s and i grew up in that you know i'll second that um i i totally relate to john's story because believe it or not i am for those who know me really well I am actually super introverted and very shy. And I actually remember the first time that I was on a camera or a podcast of some sort, and it was actually on Katie's Stogies and Straps, and I was so nervous. And I remember I I finished that, and I was just like a nervous wreck, and I was like, (laughs) that took so much out of me. And then, like, coming on to the different shows, eventually now it becomes so natural. And, you know, like, now I actually... it, It... made such a like a large impact on me that I actually changed careers and now I do public speaking for a living Hmm. um in a sense so I don't know if that would have been something I would have been comfortable with or or able to do 
a year or two ago, if it hadn't been for this space that lent me mentors that just, and again, it wasn't like, I don't know if it, you know, it just, this can, I always talk about the community and everybody jokes up <laughs> that I say the word community too much, but it's just, there's been so many good people that have like lent me their skills and like taught me lessons. And it actually changed my life literally because I do a completely different thing than I did when I met you guys. So I, I for one feel like I, there's been an evolution for the Pokemon fans out there. <laughs> I have reached my ultimate form. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And by the way, I, I've been trying to type out a, um, a response to Lola. She wanted to know, but I'm on yeah. my phone. Lola asked a crap. whole bunch of questions. Lola just likes to yes. keep throwing questions in here. Lola says, uh, what was the message in being a minority in a minority? Uh, what was the message? Uh, if, you've, if you've listened to our show from the beginning, mm -hmm. I don't remember what episode I came up with it. You uh, coined the phrase. I coined the phrase, uh, and I went on a rant. And I was like that uh, Second Amendment people that are actually Second Amendment advocates or ardent followers of the Second Amendment, believers in it, whatever you want to say, mm -hmm. are a minority within the gun community, which is already a minority of the total population. Mm -hmm. So we kind of ran off with that. And, you know, most people probably thought, oh, well, they're Latinos. They're going to talk was, about being minorities. It in was the gun totally community. clickbait. And it was like, no, we're going to talk about how even within the gun community, people that are hardcore about the Second Amendment are a minority. So we went in a lot of the seminars, a lot of different workshops always talk about how do we get anti-gun people or people who are neutral on guns to become pro-gun or at least not want to infringe on our rights. And our spiel was, let's use the example of the NRA. They like to brag that they have 5 million members. They're the biggest organization that we've got. So that's really the biggest number that we can throw out there. There are like 100 million gun owners and something like 45 million households that own guns, supposedly, in the United States. It was based on Pew Research, so we had you know real numbers here in our presentation. But even looking at that, it was like, okay, so only 5 million out of 100 million gun owners actually put money in an organization that they feel may be advocating for their rights. Obviously, we know that the NRA is kind of garbage. But the casual gun owner thinks that the NRA does stuff and their legal arm still does some good things from time to time. So I was like, so if you can only get 5% of all gun owners to contribute to this organization, and of that 5%, a lot of them are just like, well, I send my like 40 bucks a year for my membership and I'm good to go. Like, that's it. Mm -hmm. So how many of those even within that 5% actually do anything like social media posts, uh, write, write letters or call their congressmen and women? To, or well, even stay informed. Let's yeah. get even more simple. Stay informed and then talk to other people about yeah. it. Because this all was, I think this all came from a rant about how I always like to talk. And even though I'm, I say I'm introverted, I actually like to talk to random strangers all the time. Um, it's a weird thing I do. And, you know, I have a really good knack for figuring out who might be um, a gun person or who might be like leaning that way. And I'll kind of like, like scope them out and see like how they feel about things or what they know. And I started getting really shocked. It's like, I even saw someone wearing a 2A hat and I'm like, oh, you're into the 2A? Like, yeah, let's talk about this. Did you hear about this bill? They know nothing. Mm -hmm. The majority of gun owners who think they're a certain like, oh yeah, I totally support this. But then they know nothing. They're not informed. They vote wrong. They, they're just totally disconnected and not involved. Yeah, I mean, I, even during our presentation, you know, I asked the audience, there were probably like 35, 40 people there at one point. 
And uh, I said, how many of you know about the Defense Authorization Act that was just passed in Congress? You know, this was a few weeks ago where they put red flag laws within that, you know, to be used against our, our, you know, our servicemen and women. And nobody knew about it. And even less knew that Dan Crenshaw was one of the ones that voted for it. And, you know, they were in shock. You could see in the audience. I was like, raise your hands. How many of you have heard of this? Barely anybody heard of that. Then they didn't even know that they're Republican representative. And a few of them, and quite a few in Florida as well, uh, voted for that. And it just blew them away. And it's like, look, Republicans are not your friends when it comes to this stuff. You have to hold them just, in fact, you almost have to hold their feet to the fire more because you know what you're going to get from the Democrats when it comes to gun issues. You're not going to get anything from them. Um, So the Republicans really, you just, you got to shame them and really call them out on it because they're the ones that, that talk a big game. Like you talk, you talked about Brian Mast and it's like, oh, okay, well, we're, you got to put your money where your mouth is and not give any BS excuses. And it woke, it woke people up even within that. I think the workshop itself proved its own point just by some of those reactions from the crowd when we asked them questions and when we interacted with them. Yeah. And I think that that made an impact. They even, they even looked at themselves and were like, oh, my God, I am one of these people. Like, yeah. most, of even, us, most of us are those people, yeah. though. I think we that- are. That's, one of those that's society. That's just like yeah. people, people in society abdicate their responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> to and, and, a few people. And then they, and then they go, Oh, it's the Illuminati. No, you're abdicating your responsibility to yeah. these people. And, and, conservatives, just advantage. and conservatives do it more often than not, because we get in these little bubbles where it's like, well, I did the, I, I did the whole American dream thing. I worked really hard. I was responsible. I did my thing. I got a good career. Uh, you know, I, I paid off all my debts and all this stuff. I've got my family. So if I can do it, then everyone else can do it. And it's like, no, that's not how it always works. Or even if that's the case for you, you you still have to contribute and help other people because you're going against a side that believes in literal collectivism. So if you don't volunteer to work together, you will die as an individual not being able to do anything against the mob. That's mm-hmm. That's kind of the whole point. It doesn't mean that you lose your individualism, but... If we're if we all have the same goal in mind, it doesn't make any sense for us to act like a bunch of cats and not care and just do our own thing. You know, we have to be a pack to to some extent work I mean, together. We saw the reaction for from the first two way rally in 2019. I remember I that's when we first got involved with things, and I remember I was in people's uh, comments, probably in like people like Katie's comments and you know, all these other people's comments, comments, like fighting all these internet trolls about, you know, like, oh, this is so stupid. We don't do demonstrations and rallies. Like that's the other side. It's like, oh, so because we're lean conservative, we can't do collective work yeah. together. Like that's dumb. We're like we're losing uh, a tool in our, in our, you know, a box of, of, of toolbox. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, but it's not even, it's not even true. I mean, people forgot already about the tea party. Yeah. Right. You know, but the Tea Party got diffused, you know, um, after um, my personal opinion, after Trump became the president, like they completely dismantled the Tea Party. Oh, they did that even way before then. Like as soon as they got a few Tea Party candidates that look bad, the Republican Party used as an excuse to say that they're just Mm -hmm. a bunch of crazy yahoos out here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they completely undermined yeah, yeah, they tried I, to undermine that. I mean, I would say that uh, it, it totally died. Like the last nail in the coffin may have gone in during Trump, but they were always it was always a pain in the butt for the Republicans because they realistically hate their voter base in a lot of ways because they want to be in Washington and hang out with the elites and be part of the cool kids club. 
and do the minimum to stay in there. It's like what I always say and what I've heard in the past, uh, Democrats wield power and Republicans just uh, hold office. They're just there like, I get to sit in the big chair. This is great. Like, I, this is all I wanted. They don't even know what to do with it. It's like when the Joker said, I'm like a car. I'm like a, a dog chasing a car. If I caught up with it, I wouldn't even know what to do with it. That's how Republicans are. It's like we've got the power, but we don't do anything with it. Yeah. Whereas Democrats are like, we're going to pass every crazy thing that we can think of. And even if we fail with 99% of them, we got 1% of the crazy. And that's more than we had before. Mm -hmm. Kevin. So, and Repu and Republicans so are just like, oh, yeah, let's just sit around. Yeah. Kevin, I know you've got something, something uh, to say on this. Look, man, I've, I've always said that this, A, you know, um, I'm going to echo what was just said. Mm -hmm. And B, it's to me, it's really silly. The efforts, not even the efforts, the missed opportunities that we we have to expand freedom in this country are it, it it almost saddens me at times right and that's not that's not even that's before we get to the voting uh situation like mm -hmm. we have to look at issues the way that they are and what's real and even how recent history plays a part of our collective ignorance right mm -hmm. so often when i'm when i'm speaking there are people that will challenge me from both sides right there are people mm -hmm. that are like um, oh my God! You're 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 speaking about um, civil rights and unfairness to minorities in this country. Oh, go away! You you know, you live hard. And I'm like, I right, because I sound liberal. Cool. Um, and then mm -hmm. there's the um, there's the when you talk about freedom and expansion of freedoms, you have the other side going, Oh my God! You just want to hang out with the white militias and <laughs> and ABCDEFG, right? And then there's the the people that you can never be black enough for right um and then there are the people that because they see you and because you have a gun and a voice um then all of a sudden you're a militant right it, it, like people will always try to make sure that they uh, push you out of a lane and push you into a box they can understand but what i want people to know is this when you think about the government the government has always had an interest i don't care which side you look at they've always had an interest in making sure that we don't get along Right. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really a beautiful uh, system, if you think about it, because if if Joe and Rose speak about something from a Latino perspective, right, there is going to be uh, people that want to come out and bash them and say, well, you ought to be lucky enough to be in this country and ABCDFG when you have to understand that their views of America and their family and where they come from and what they've experienced are going to be different than yours. We, we all see America different. Mm -hmm. Right. It doesn't mean you don't appreciate it and love her. You just view her through different eyes. And so for you to demean someone else's experience and for you to cast it to the side and just say, well, just be American without you listening to their American experience. We're defeated before we get to the voting box. You look at Fred Hampton um, with the Black Panthers. Right. Black mm -hmm. Panthers through the media machine that was controlled by the government uh, ha has always been controlled by the government, um, has told and convinced America that the Black Panthers were a terrorist organization. Right. Convinced them. Now, I don't have to go to California with, you know, Reagan banning guns because of them and all that. We can fast forward to a couple of years after MLK was assassinated. When you look at Fred Hampton, 20 years old, starting off 21, 22, when he reached his peak, Fred Hampton is known for being a Black Panther. People want to ignore the fact that the FBI was caught infiltrating his organization and they killed the man after they drugged him and he couldn't get up, wake up out of his sleep. Right. They mm -hmm. shot him dead because they knew that he was drugged and he couldn't wake up out of his sleep. And so one would say, well, you know, that was an extremist black group and they had to be dealt with. OK, well, not only are you wrong, here's the other thing, but that keeps Americans separated. Fred Hampton started an organization called the Rainbow Coalition. 
the Rainbow Coalition was Black Panthers. It was also some boys that uh, more viewed white guys that were viewed to be more conservative, actually uh, flew the Confederate flag. And they were white men that were fighting for equal rights of impoverished, impoverished people, right? So white people that were poor. When Chicago, when they pushed everybody out the center of Chicago and pushed them out, they built white uh, poor communities, black poor communities, and uh, Hispanic, Latino, and Mexican poor communities. Fred Hampton realized, same thing MLK realized. Mm-hmm. I have my issues. Same thing and in I Detroit. And I want to speak about my issues, mm-hmm. but there are other opportunities where we can all join together. So he started the Rainbow Coalition, which he was attacked for. But he had white guys that flew the Confederate flag and poor uh, Mexican and Latino and Hispanic people and poor black people that even view life differently than him all sitting at the table to all form a coalition to do be to be better to each other so we can understand how to go get the government under control. Mm-hmm. Then they killed them. That's why they killed them. Right? Mm-hmm. And so when you are not when you're not willing to listen to your fellow American and what they are going through because you've been convinced, oh, you're always whining, you're always complaining, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? You're always doing this. No, you're not listening. So this government machine keeps ongoing because we can't even sit down and come to the table and have a conversation about, yeah, and this is what I mean. And these are uh, things that I see and things that I've experienced. Doesn't mean I'm not willing to listen to you. So you don't need to combat my experience. Listen to me, understand what it is. Now share with me yours so we can figure out how we, the people can go get the freedom that we all truly deserve. But the government doesn't have to do a job of oppressing you because you're oppressing yourself by simply not listening to each other. Yeah. That's why we can't pool our resources. I think that was something that uh, that Rolando was talking about earlier. That's why we can't really pool our resources and make things happen. Obviously, you know, uh, you know, if we're divided, we're, it's easier for us to be conquered, right? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's just the reality of it. If we can't look at the things that that we have more in common, it's it's how we wind up in a situation that we're in now. That we're looking at things and we're flabbergasted. Like no matter what side, if you're a woman. You're looking at everything. You're like, wait a second. I'm actually like, as a you know, as a woman who can have kids and and, and all these kinds of things, I'm actually be- be- beneath certain people, you know, and they can't because they say they're a woman, right? Mm-hmm. You wind up weird shit like this happens to you when everyone goes and takes their corners on on things, and we don't get together and go, hey, at the end of the day, this is what we're looking for. You know, so I'm getting I'm going out of focus here. I think um, a lot when I first came to America, a lot of things that are happening right now, people would have gotten together and said, hell no, black people, white people. There's things that are happening that they would have said no way in hell are we actually going to let this happen. A perfect th- a perfect thing is what happened is what's happening with uh, covid mandates. I think uh, I think America of the 80s or 90s, you could have not actually gotten away with that. But now we're so far separated that we're living in a space where that's happening, even though cops aren't down with it. You know, there's teachers that aren't down with it. Nurses, doctors, (laughs) you know, there's all these different places in society where people are like, this is bullshit. But yet we don't have the wherewithal to push back enough to make people stop it because we're we're all we're all messed up and we've lost sight of the things that are that are more important than whatever little thing that we want to fight about because of where whatever tribe we particularly identify with. I actually am beginning yep. to question how much people actually do kind of like resist this 
these ideas Mm -hmm. and how much is perception of the other very vocal side that is on Twitter and promoted, by the way, versus what we were talking about earlier with suppression. So is it a possibility that maybe at least half of America is actually resisting and we're just all suppressed and we have this perception that the majority of the world or sorry, the majority of the country is this vocal, you know, like Twitter is, is, is a perfect example of that. You know, like if Twitter, you know, a lot of people think that's reality, but in reality it's, it's, it's a small minority of people who are very, very loud and who have these giant platforms, but that's not the majority of America. Yeah. I think that's a good point. Um, I, yeah, I think, I think that is, I think uh, part of it too is you, you see it like just go to a classroom with kids mm-hmm. and, um, You'll see the, the loudest kids all, a lot of times get the attention. They can get what they want. They can kind of push other people around. And uh, it's kind of like the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And I think that most people are non-confrontational. They just want to, you know, get along, uh, uh, get along with one another, live their lives, not really deal with any difficulty or obstacles. And social media has made it so that we can kind of obfuscate those things. So, you know, a conversation that you hear a lot in the community is like, well, back in the day, or especially in, you know, in minority communities, I think we hear this more. It's like, if you talk garbage about somebody, you go out back and you settle it physically. And then that's the end of that. Like you, you either have an argument, you have some sort of altercation. I'm not saying that's the best way to handle things, but it was pretty black and white and it was pretty clear how things were settled. Yeah. I mean, that's if you lost respect, if you lost respect for the person, like I think people used to be able to disagree, but when people start getting disrespectful, somebody's going to get smacked up. (laughs) Yeah. Or at a minimum you could, you, people weren't afraid to sit down. Like if you, if you got past that point where it's like, okay, well, we're not going to fight, but people weren't at least afraid to call each other out and say like, yo, you just said, you just talked this garbage about me. That's not true. Like what's the deal? And you'd have to settle it there, then and there, whether it was an argument, whether it was fisticuffs, doesn't really matter. But people interacted with one another in person, and you had to back yourself up at that moment. Either you had to be able to back yourself up with the truth or be able to check a, ca- you know, uh, ch- uh, check a cash with your mouth that your ass, you, or what, how does it go? <laughs> <laughs> check a cash idiots. with your mouth that your ass can't cash or whatever uh, uh, the phrase goes. You know what I mean? But uh you, you would have to back it up. Nowadays, you can just be some anonymous troll yeah. on the internet. You can make like yeah. 10 different accounts. I think it's your garbage. mouth is writing checks that your ass your can't, ass can't cash. cash. That's what it is. Something yeah. like that, yeah. I mean, so, why your ass is cashing checks, I don't know. If your ass is cashing checks. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I guess it's you talk when garbage. When checks and start bouncing. Your, yeah, you get your, you, you talk garbage and your ass gets kicked. So, but, you know, Kevin, that's kind of how Kevin likes that one. <laughs> and I remember, like, I grew up with... I grew up, I went to college in Atlanta my first year, and I had a roommate who's black from Atlanta, another guy who was Vietnamese, uh, his um, parents immigrated from Vietnam, he lived in North Carolina, I'm obviously Puerto Rican, and we had a white Jewish guy from like Athens, Georgia, out in the Mm. boonies near UGA. Mm. And we all hung out, we had a great time, we made a lot of jokes that were very politically incorrect, and we got along. Uh, My friends did that at the time. And people were more chill about things. And if somebody said something that offended you, you could be like, yo, that's like messed up, man. And then people would be like, oh, that's that's true. Sorry about that. But it wouldn't be like this whole like passive aggressive thing where people hold things inside and then they hate each other or they go on social media or like to your face. They act like they're cool, but then they'll go online and talk garbage upon uh, about you like that didn't happen. If you had beef, 
you you settled it right then and there and people usually were like oh yeah man i'm sorry that i said that that was messed up and you move on or you make the joke and everybody and somebody would just hit you back with an even more uh you know an even more hardcore joke or diss and you'd be like oh I man you got back. me like yeah, yeah they clap you back and you'd be like you got me like that's it like it's cool like that's mm -hmm. awesome like mad respect Mm -hmm. uh, but nowadays everybody's so weak and soft and they want approval from everybody. And I think that's one of the things that people can't get over. Like there are some people that are just never going to like you no matter what you do. And that's okay. Like, it's totally fine. Like you don't have to give a crap about what those people think about you and people can't get over that. It's like, no, I need to be liked by everybody or they have to like me or they have to approve of my lifestyle well, and what I do. It's like, no, are you happy with what you're doing? Yes. Then who gives a crap? And people can't get over that. Yeah, I think I think you we're setting up camps. And I think that so let's say let's say we look at this whole COVID situation, right? I think in the past the way that we would have done it is that they would have tried okay, this is happening. People are trying to develop a vaccine. And I think if they would have just left it like that, okay, here's this vaccine. Everyone doesn't want to get on board right away. Some people in the beginning were like, oh, I want to get all up on that thing. Some people would have backed off and waited for a little while. Time would have gone by and more and more people would have probably gotten on board. And you would still, you would have people like, no, I'm not going to mess with it. The minute that you set up a line, that you start in a line and you go, everyone who doesn't want to get this thing, you're evil. We're going to do this to you. You shut everyone. You shut people down. People start going to camps now. Now it yep. become now there's people secretly getting it, but they don't want to tell anyone because they're worried that people on their side are going to be mad about it, you know. Or someone doesn't want to get it, but they're lying and saying it, it, like you're creating the psychosis that we see now. Instead of mm -hmm. us just handling the situation and naturally, if it was if it was the thing to do, people would, would get on board and do it. You're making people take a stand. Because you're like, it's the same thing that happened with the masks. Mm -hmm. Right? Yep. Before, I think, before and, you know, the crazy, Go ahead. the crazy thing about that, this is how much politics has corrupted uh, the, the human mind. More. Thank you, son. This is how much politics has corrupted the human mind. You know, people, I, I, I am a firm believer that people are choosing a side based off their political affiliation. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Because my, mm -hmm. my party says this thing, this is what you ought to do. Yeah. And I'm sitting here looking at this like, you know what I found, and I, and I, I spoke about this uh, the other night on one of my lives. You know, we, on a high level, right, we talk about the ability to keep and bear arms to make sure we can keep the government in check, right? And that is a thing. That is not like a falsehood that is correct, mm -hmm. right? But that's at a high level. You don't take the person out to the range first time and start screaming tyranny at it's, it's like, it's not going to work, right? <laughs> no. You're, you're, just, you're just, you know, taking them out, introducing them to a new lifestyle, and wherever they go, they go, right? right. Mm -hmm. However, I realized doing all this, this COVID nonsense and looking at just how evil people can be once again, is that, you know, yeah, on a high level, we're having a conversation about the government, but at an everyday level, it's my neighbor that I got to worry about. And I don't mean like my specific neighbors, but I mean, people in my community, you're the evil one. You're, you're, you're why I have the second amendment right mm -hmm. now to the day, because I'm watching people laugh and say, oh, I can't wait till all these idiots lose their jobs. Oh, I can't wait till you're begging on the street. I can't wait till you go to prison because you have to go to extra measures to feed your family. I can't, I saw uh, on Twitter for a minute, I don't even go on Twitter a lot, but I saw people were like making jokes about, oh, we can't wait to go to your uh, your, your garage sales and take and buy all your stuff for pennies on a dollar. Like <laughs> what? it is that evil mentality 
of human beings that are waiting because someone Mm -hmm. is standing up for something they believe in. Mm -hmm. Right. And they don't have to justify that to you. Who are they don't have to justify that to you. Mm -hmm. Something that they believe in that you are waiting on the worst of the worst to happen in them. People saying, yeah, if you refuse the vaccine, why should you get a hospital bed? So COVID is the only way you can get sick now. That's it. Mm -hmm. Right. Like you should be refused medical service. You should be shut out of restaurants. You shouldn't be allowed to go in grocery stores. So you are now wanting to put me and let's say you and say 25% of Americans, let's just Mm -hmm. use that number out of jobs and out on the street and without means. It takes a hog, a pig, an average of two weeks to go fur. It takes a human to get hungry once. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, I want to see how you're going to handle when an additional 25% of your country is now going to all the means in the world to make sure that they can survive and provide for their families. People that were once pilots, that were once engineers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are now becoming what you would deem your criminal base because you thought it would be funny because they stood up for what they believed in. So to me, it is my neighbor that I got to have the guns for because you are the ones that are showing me just how evil and mean spirited you can be when it comes to the government look you're also allowing this government because of your political lines this mandate was never even approved by congress right mm-hmm. this is not a law this is not a law i don't think they i don't think they i don't think they want to approve it either man well, yeah, they don't, they don't uh, want to we, put we their name on it yeah we, we, we went through this on our show yesterday that mm-hmm. the executive uh order has not actually been signed it doesn't exist right now it's going through osha and they're slow rolling it they're using this uh, it's called an ets I forgot what it was called, an emergency something. Uh, I, I forgot what it's called, but basically it'll take them like six months to push it through. And they basically got it. So basically Biden is like, we're going to do this. So now all the companies are like, oh my God, they're going to do it. So we have to do our own mandates, but it doesn't actually exist. So it's like, no, you it's a panic. Them to, yeah, you spooked all the corporations that first, the ones that want to do it. Now they have an excuse because they can be like, oh, well, we're going to do this anyway. But now Biden says Biden's mandating it. So we're not the bad guys anymore. So we can blame it on him. If you were if you were a political consultant, right. And in two years, we're going to get past the midterms, which everybody, please, for the love of Christ, God, everything holy, pay attention (laughs) to the midterms. Okay. Uh so do that. Now, when we get to if you were a political advisor, And let's just say you were advising the potential next president who's running on a Republican ticket. What's the first thing you're going to tell them that they need to promise in the first hundred days? No mandates. (laughs) No mandates. Right. So I I think I've seen enough of even uh, Biden voters like openly have regrets. Like my page is full of people that are like. Yeah, I voted this way. And this is why I feel like I made a mistake. Right. Mm-hmm. So if we keep going down the path, we're going now. I just don't see a way he wins again. I don't see it. I could be wrong, but I don't see it because so you are you are laughing and want to cripple America, want to see your fellow citizen out there hurting because of the decision that they won't make for in two and a half years. It won't even be something they have to do anymore. Well, mm-hmm. you know what? I think you're right. I think you're 100 percent right. But I think the thing that we're facing nowadays is outside of that, that's a big distraction for what they're actually doing in there in the four years that they're in there. And that's what's mm-hmm. even more scary, right? They, 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 they want to cause irreparable damage that we can't yeah. turn around. So that even if you get the greatest, most constitutional Republican ever, 
they will basically have to spend all of their political capital undoing what the Democrats did without even pushing their agenda forward. So that's what they do. They create obstacles in the way so that we can't go back or they give you, they give the people certain things so that you can't take it away without like a revolt. So you, you give people like, well, you say that we're going to give you $2,000 a month now. We're going to make that the standard. And people are, if you try to take that away as a conservative president, it might be the right thing to do, but then people are going to hate you that became reliant upon that and it's going to look bad. So even if you start doing the right things, you start looking callous or like you don't care or, you know, oh, this is a program that people find popular. It's like when you look at polls for um, the Affordable Care Act for Obamacare now, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, I actually don't think it's that bad. It's because they've had it for so long now mm -hmm. that they become accustomed to it. Yeah, once you get the so, crap, you, you you get distracted by some other crap that happens. Yeah. When or you moved on. It's, it's, the boiling, yeah. it's the boiling frog in, in, in the pot effect, you know. Slowly it goes up, so then you're like, well, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not going to do it. Or... Uh, well, that's going on in those blue states, so I don't really care about that. So, And then next thing you know, Texas or Florida are the last two states that are like red, and you're like, how did this happen? Now we're screwed. We can't do anything. Yeah. I mean, that's so, how we get a president that should be in a home. Yeah. I mean, just absolutely. think about it. <laughs> Seriously. I'm taking, Joe, I'm taking Joe Biden. I'm taking, I'm taking that dude being in office real personal. I was just telling somebody earlier today, mm -hmm. I feel like Joe Biden got elected just to mess with me. <laughs> no, it, it, it was it was a slap because yeah, yeah. go ahead go ahead no, even as I, a I'm democrat voter you. like you're looking at like who they had on that stage which it was all a bunch of losers but you're still looking you're like joe biden is the one that's going to come out of this this is mm -hmm. the best that they can do this is what they want this is what they're going to push and it's just like you're right it, it, it was offensive because it was almost like he is so bad he's so senile he's passed all these laws that have hurt our major constituencies that we're trying to push right now, especially with everything that was going on last year. It's like, this is the guy that you want to push. You've got riots in the streets talking about this stuff and you want Joe Biden to be your president and your candidate when this is what your base is complaining about. This is the guy. Uh, it's like, I, it's almost like, let's see what we can get away with here. I also think if you think about it, like I'm not a, I'm, I was not a George W. Bush fan. Right. But after nine 11, when George Bush was already the president, there's no way he wasn't going to win, um, you know, the next election, right? Unless he just did horrible things. He did a lot of crazy shit. He still won. Here's my thing. And I'm not saying I'm not a I was not a super Trump fan, but I voted for, for him the first time. I voted for him the second time because there's no way in hell I was going to vote for Biden. I'm not I mean, I'm not I'm not even voting for any Democrat. OK. It's it seems to me that if you look at what Trump did, he did a lot of good things right he did what you're now the guns gun guys are going to argue with me i would agree with everything a gun guy is going to say but but this guy did a lot of good things does it really make sense that he didn't get reelected? like what did he do that was so terrible we had like a good economy you know when it was time well, to close did, the border he closed the border just, <laughs> it shows the power of propaganda it was exactly that the media <laughs> created this monster uh, in people's minds. And I believe that it's still such a strong thing, this propaganda that they put out, that if he were to come back on the next election and run again, I almost don't want him to. 
No, because I definitely, I definitely don't want Trump to run. Uh, ironically, not, I think not, that I he's the one that the base may want the most. Mm -mm. But of all no, the, think, not, yeah, if well. there's good candidates out there like DeSantis, which now with what's going on with his wife, I, it may not be an option no matter what. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, obviously pray for her. Uh, for people that don't know that she's got breast cancer, breast but cancer. Mm -hmm. uh, but you know, I, I almost feel because he's got so much baggage and they were able to demonize him so much that he's the one like there might be these Democrats that would vote against Biden. But then the minute that you throw Trump, they're just going to they become illogical and emotional. And they're like, nope, I will yeah. vote for any. The, wor the worst thing Trump could do is run again. He's already been president. I'm not this is not like I don't no matter who the and president. He'll only have four years and he's going to be on the defensive for four years uh, again. So he's not going to be able to do very much. No I matter. Trump is that he's such an egomania that he is willing to run again. And even <laughs> if it causes us to lose. Yeah, and we well, get Biden another four years, he's still willing to do it because he feels that he needs to run again. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's going to go anywhere for him, because yeah. I think a lot of people feel the same. I know like diehard Trump guys who are done with Trump. Right. Mm -hmm. Because Trump could have overcome. I, 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 I'm, I'm in the camp of the people who believe that the election was stolen. I'm sorry. We can get we can get shut down by yeah. YouTube or whatever. I don't give a crap. Like that's the, the way my brain works is I try to look at reality. Right. So but even sure. though even though we're there, Trump missed opportunities that he could have done things to strengthen his position. And he straight up ignored it. There's things he could have done to to have made things better for himself, and he straight up ignored it. So there's a lot of issues going on there, and I think it's better for him to take the victory that you were president. Not not everyone in America gets to be president. Trump was the 45th one. Take it. You got your library. You know. You got the Secret Service for life. You're still a wealthy person. Just rock and roll and walk away from this because I I definitely don't want to go back down that road. I think yeah. um, his biggest problem is that when he was running, he talked about a huge game about the swamp and how he needed to drain the swamp and all that stuff. And I think he, even he himself underestimated just how bad and evil, because that's really what it comes down to, how evil the other but, side but he, and how evil the establishment is. Yeah, I think because I he think, got in yeah. and they immediately jumped on him with Russiagate and all this other stuff. And then he had his guys like... Um, what was his attorney general that used to be the senator from uh, Alabama who was he was like, I need to recuse myself from this and all this stuff. And I was like, and you could tell Trump was just like, wait a second. So all these dudes that I brought in that I thought were trustworthy, like they basically either sold me out or they're they're chickens. They don't want to do anything. So I think he was in almost such shock that he didn't know what to do. I don't, I don't think he had a plan when he became president. Well, I'm I think he was surprised that he won in a lot of ways, too, because I think he did. <laughs> I don't under, think he had he a underestimated plan. a lot. I think he even underestimated himself, despite how much of an ego he has. I mean, his yeah. wife was surprised. They didn't even move from New York for like a few months. Like she was like, wait, what? We yeah. won for real? Yeah. Yeah. But so my, my thing is, if, if he has any sense, he would just stay out of it. Um, but what does it matter at the end of the day? Does it mean even let's say we put Trump on the side? What does it mean with these politicians of what we're facing? Can we is there any of these people that can actually do something? Can we actually go back to what America was <laughs> or, you know, is it possible to do that? Or are we so far gone in America now that we're going to forever have this thing. Whoever becomes whoever becomes president is going to be like let's say someone becomes president and they're a conservative, they're a Republican or whatever, they're going to be evil. That's the way I 
I think part of the problem, I think part of the problem is that this country was going on. This is where the cynical millennial in me comes in. Uh, and I, I love doing this dark stuff because Katie always makes like a look in his face. And I love it when I get <laughs> a look from Katie's face. But I, oh, I let's think, go. Let's do a close up. I think I know. I think that. OK, so let's take me, for example. I was, I resting, was this is resting Katie face. right? Here. <laughs> he's always listening. And then he has. That's what he does. He's always listening. He's, yeah, right. Uh -huh. And uh, but let's take me, for example, I was in neocon. I was in high school. I was a freshman uh, in high school when September 11th happened. I believed in the war in Iraq. Obviously, I was a young kid back in the day. I didn't know what what I do now, but I was all about the neocons. I was like, Patriot Act, that sounds great. You got nothing to hide. If you got nothing to hide from the government, they should be able to check out your stuff if you're not a terrorist. <laughs> no, I think a lot of people did believe that. They believed right. in the, uh, at least in the sanctity of like law enforcement and the military and that those were the uncorruptible uh, bastions of the government where it's like, well, we know the politicians are corrupt, but there are some organizations within the government that they can't possibly be bad, can they? And then we kind of found out that every aspect of the government is kind of corrupt. And that's where I've moved, where I, I heard somebody say this, I believe it was Tim Pool, who he's always said that he's basically a liberal. And Charlie Kirk, of all people, of Turning Point USA, was like, Tim, like we agree on like 95% of things. Why don't you consider yourself a conservative? And Tim Poole looks at him and he's like, Charlie, my positions never changed. I always thought that the government was corrupt and evil. He's like, it's you conservatives now that are starting to realize that that's the truth. Mm. And, and he's like, so I don't have to change to your side. You've come over to my side actually. <laughs> and, and I was like, that's actually really funny that it's absolutely true. Like we look at like the, the big Portland protests against the World Trade Organization in the late 90s. And that was Antifa back in the day. And now we would probably agree like, yeah, the WTO is bad. They never should have given China like trade normalization. They, they basically took away the U.S.'s sovereignty and in international trade and made globalism be a thing. It was Antifa that was protesting against that harder than everybody else at the time. So you can kind of see how the tables have turned and how we've learned things and how we've become awake, how essentially people in the civil rights movement for years have been saying the government is doing bad shit against us. You people don't understand. And we're like, no, you're just crying about racism. Like yeah. that's not true. That well, can't be, you, that can't be the truth. So this is all now everybody's like, see, I told you Katie was going to make a face. This is all true. And this is what we're seeing. And I think people are waking up. So is there an America to go back to, or was it an illusion in the first place? That's, so the, it, that's almost the problem that we have now. It's like, was it real to begin with? And are we trying to go back to something or are we trying to reclaim the vision of what it should have been in the first place? So that's why I always argue we're trying the Constitution. We never lived up to that standard for the first place. We never did. The founders from the day that the ink dried, it was it's been fading. Just like you can see in the National Archives today, you can barely read it. The ink is almost faded. That started happening from the start. Yeah. So, so listen, I, 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 I'm so going to take what you're saying. Down. I'm going to get I'm going to hit you with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's on a roll. I know it's all good. But listen, I when I went to high school in the 80s, my teachers who brought up 1984 and Brave New World. OK. And all of those books were liberals. Mm -hmm. OK. Um, the other day when I was driving, I think uh, I was going somewhere and I was listening to The Handmaid's Tale. The, the I was listening to the audiobook of that actual book that was written by a liberal and that book is about how um, you know the, the world switches and these guys take over and they have all the guns and the power and people can't fight back and then they just structure the world however they want to make it so 
yes, you're right. I think a lot of folks who are out there fighting in the past and saying, don't trust the government, you know, the government has too much power. <laughs> Those are the people right now that are like, yay, government. <laughs> just, just think about it. And KD, people want to hear from you. So go ahead. Come off the CPU shark says, want to hear from KD. Give him the mic. When you tell people to, and let's deal with modern times, let's go 60s and come up. When you tell people to go, when are we going to go back to the America that we all know and love? Are we talking about the 60s when certain people couldn't sit in restaurants and eat in peace or even be welcome? Are we talking about the 70s when uh, even after the quote unquote civil rights era, um, even though sex, love and rock and roll was booming, um, people didn't pay attention to some of the onslaughts that were going on in certain sections of America against certain groups? Are we talking about the 80s when we appointed a uh, president of the United States who allowed crack cocaine to flood the inner cities and um, uh, set the alley-oop, if you will, who was also an anti-gun president because he specifically targeted black militias in California to make sure they couldn't have guns. Uh, and during the 80s, we also lost uh, more gun rights, uh, i.e. see machine guns. Are we talking about the 90s when we let the current president of the United States and the Clintons uh, claim that they're going to run on a law and order ticket, which is how they ran, and they specifically targeted another group of Americans and took Americans' rights to even own firearms for 10 years and uh, put us into a kind of a, a oncoming economic situation. Are we talking about, you know, 2000s when we all, because of 9-11, came together momentarily, uh, but we had um, a large recession? Or are we talking about now where you have to be mandated or lose your job? So we're not going to get to the true American dream because you've lived. Your version of a dream does not mean the rest of Americans have lived it. One of the things that I don't like coming from the conservative side is they will be the ones quick. They're, they're quick to say government bad, government mean. They're quick to say for 70, 80 years, these demo rats have been running these urban centers. And then when people from the urban centers come and say, yeah, and those races you were talking about have been doing unfortunate, illegal things to us for a long time. So you're right. For 70 years, they've been pulling some BS and then the, for the rest of America to go, no, you're just whiny and making excuses because you listen to the media, even though you claim that the media is definitely the most effective devil in America. Give a uh, shout out to Maj for that. You claim the media is evil, but when it's your selected media, you refuse to listen to the voice of your fellow Americans. So I really want to know exactly what point are we talking about? Because until we get to the point to where we the people really get to understand each other and we the people really come together and we the people can get past our biases, our own prejudices, and we can actually listen to each other. What America are we talking about? Because we the people were supposed to be this land. So you're not going to get a president in office that really represents America until that president works for we the people. And until the we the people remind these idiots that they work for us, then it's never going to happen. But we can't come together as a people because if I say something, well, 
prove it. You make somebody go through years and years of giving you their point of view and then steal their proof of how America is treating them and how the politicians and what they're doing to them and people in their community and people that understand their plight, it's never good enough. If it happens to the Latino people, well, now they got to super prove it, right? It's never, never good enough. What do you have people do? I'm going to make up a protest to your protest. So instead of looking at you and saying, I wonder if there's some validity in what you're saying and we can use that validity to go get this government in check, all right. Even if I don't really care, if there is some validity to what you're saying, then we can go there and we can check them, the government, to make sure they understand that we, the people, even though we're fighting at the table, we're arguing with each other. At the end of the day, when we walk out that room, we are collectively going to remind you that you work for us. And until we get to that point, until we get to that point, it's not going to happen. You got 43 million people in this country that are telling you, hey, yo, I'm glad. Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party of unfairness. Welcome to the party of having your jobs threatened. Welcome to the everyday life of the Democratic Party. America, you live it for four, maybe eight years at a time. Try living it every single damn day of your life for generations. And then tell me what that experience is like. But when I come to you and I say, hey, this is a problem. We need to have a conversation about it. And yes, I'm proud of whoever I am from wherever I am. Absolutely, I'm proud about that. And if you tell me you want to be my fellow American, if you tell me that the red, white, and blue is for me, then how come I can't get your red, white, and blue ass to listen to what I'm saying? And then we are supposed to collectively come together when you start giving me speeches about, hey, it's us. Let's go fight for America. Where the fuck was America when I need somebody to fight for me? And that's how every individual is feeling when they are speaking on the issues that affect them. So we're not going to get a president in office that's ever going to have our best interests at heart until we can put somebody in office and remind them you are there because of us. You are there working for us. You will do our deeds. And if you don't, we will eliminate you and get your ass out of office and get somebody in us in there that will. But no, we're stuck to political lines. We're stuck to our own little bubbles about how we perceive America and what we believe in. And it's amazing to me that a country that is built on, built on immigrants and different perspectives and cultures and things like that will get people over here know, knowingly that they have a group, a political group of individuals that have collectively always meant bad for certain people and then ignore the fact, ignore the fact that these individuals are doing things in their local system, state, local government, whatever, that is causing other Americans headache. And then you laugh at these Americans and tell them that they don't have a point, that they're just lazy and they're not willing to fight for America. And the last time I checked, every ethnic group in this country has had somebody go to war and die. Every single one of them. So how come those same ethnic groups can't come back and speak about how they feel and what their experience is? So we can lose our blood. We can lose our brothers. We can lose our sisters. We can put them in uniforms and they can die. But we can't have an opinion. Just like people still want to make excuses. When you want to talk about America, speak the truth. Hey, America, home of the a land of the free and a home of the brave. Somebody is always making excuses for America instead of adapting to the fact that, you know, I love her. But she's not perfect. We acknowledge that and let's deal with her false so we the people can take our country back. But no, we can't get there. I still have people on my page right now making excuses. Well, slavery was everywhere. <laughs> First of all, get off your ass because ain't nobody saying that you're responsible for slavery. Because if I thought you were responsible for slavery, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'll be shooting at you. One. So let's get that shit clear. Number two, if there was an issue, if there is an issue, it's with the conscience of America. How are you the land of the free and the home of the brave? And I love her more than most people. But how are you the land of the free and the home of the brave when you built yourself off slavery? That is the opposite of freedom. How are you the land of the free and the home of the brave when brave individuals can go die for you every day? They can put their lives on the lines, but your ass is not brave enough to sit down and listen to their perspectives. The only thing this country did brave back when it came to slavery was that 
actually fighting to eliminate it. And don't even get me started with that. And then when you fast forward to all the different people in all the different perspectives, Puerto Ricans, immigrants from all over the world, white guys, white women, black guys, black women, so forth and so on. Every time one of those groups tries to stand up and just say, hey, this is my experience. The first thing we do, if it doesn't fit into our little bubbles, is we cast them down. We shout them down until we need them. So in two and a half years, it'll be, no, we're all brothers. Let's all come together and let's fight for this. But over these next two and a half years, you won't listen to me. You won't hear my perspective. You won't, you won't, even in tears, frustration and pain, you won't pay attention to me. But you want me to just simply be an American when it comes to fighting for every single other group? Now you want us to be a collective but you can get your own fucking selfish way. That's why we won't get somebody in office until we can all sit at the dinner table, hash our bullshit out, and remind the idiots in office, in Congress, in your, your governor's mansion, and in the White House that you work for us. But until we get our shit together, they have no reason to get their shit together. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, someone said yeah. mic drop, mic drop there. Let me... <laughs> Let me. Just like, I gotta play the applause. Yeah, mic drop. We got a mic drop for Kevin there. Money, uh, money, money. Also, Armament and Axis. Money. Wanted to say this. He says, uh, <laughs> "This is Armament and Axis." He says, uh, "One thing I always loved about KD is he thinks deep and is a great speaker to inspire people to open their eyes." My brother KD. That's from Armament and Axis. And uh, I'm gonna go back here because I know uh, K and M Arm says, "Mike, uh, boom, mic drop." <laughs> and uh, DCG44 said something I think that's uh, very apropos. He says, we need to stop thinking in terms of Democrats and Republicans or left versus right. We need to be thinking right versus wrong. Um, I agree with that. And we and we need to like face facts. Like facts don't always make us happy. And we got to face them. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's not going to make us happy, but we need to face them and accept facts and also truths from people's perspectives. Right, Kevin? I think... That's the thing, yeah. you know, if we if we don't know how to accept someone's um, truth from their perspective, how do we how do we figure out how to move on? If we just keep telling people, look, we, we, I don't want to hear what you have to willing, say. Yeah. You have to be willing to listen to your mm-hmm. fellow Americans. I am going to speak my truth. Mm-hmm. Right. I am. Oh, some literally. And I hate when people say, oh, it's corny talking about who died for you. Fuck that. I am I am literally able to sit on this show and exchange conversation and thoughts with you guys and everyone else listening because somebody they might not have known Instagram or YouTube was going to be a thing, but they knew freedom was at risk and they knew they were deprived of freedom. So they went and made sure that I could have a voice. So I am not going to sit here to get along with anybody and not speak up for my community. You got me twisted 10 times over. You got me fucked up, simply. I'm not going to sit quietly for people that I, I, I suffer with in the streets, that I saw how the government was treating us, that I saw how they use law enforcement against us. And you want to say you hate Joe Biden? Joe Biden clearly told your ass that he was going to spend billions of dollars to attack us. Clearly said. That's why you all people always want to say the 1994 crime bill. Oh, my God, it was racist. Most people wouldn't know about the crime bill if it wasn't for the 10 year assault weapons ban. If that damn assault weapons ban wasn't put into that bill, they still wouldn't be paying attention to what Joe Biden was doing in these communities. Nobody would have paid attention to it. I'm going to speak up. But the thing that helps my perspective is that I've also sat down with various other groups. I have literally sat in trailer parks with poor white people and poor Spanish people to listen to their perspectives. I've sat in the rooms with multimillionaires to listen to their 
different perspectives. I've sat in rooms with the, the tactical militias and listened to their perspectives. I don't walk in a room and make you shut up to listen to me. I want to know what you're going through as well, because your perspective is just as important as mine. Your lived experience is just as important as mine. What you should not be doing is saying that my voice doesn't matter because you have one. Mm-hmm. We're only stronger if we listen to each other. But you don't get anywhere by constantly looking for a comeback to say, oh, that doesn't matter. And you know what? Oh, this is not happening. How, how the hell do you know? How the hell do you know? Most of y'all ride through the hood for a fucking safari. How the hell do you know? <laughs> yeah. How do you know what's truly going on? How do you know what that local alderman is able to do because of what that mayor is pushing for? How do you really know? Michael Bloomberg doing the presidential, uh, the, the Democratic presidential debates said one thing, and I always bring this up. That little bastard has only told one truth in his line. I was on that stage. When he said, yeah, he was being pressed over stop and frisk, right? Mm-hmm. And they were pressing him over, pressing him over. And he was like, basically, yo, okay, cool. You got me. I give up. It was wrong. We targeted people. All right, you caught me. All right, it was wrong. My bad. However, I was not the first and it was not my idea. He said that on that stage. Mm-hmm. So what he basically told you is in other American cities, people cannot walk down the street without being put up against a police car for doing nothing. And then you wonder why certain communities have a certain view of law enforcement. How would you feel in the fucking suburbs if you just walked outside to go to the grocery store? Well, sorry, we don't have grocery stores. But how would you feel if you just walked outside to go to go to your friend's house and somebody could legally just... Yep. Put your hands up against the car. So when he said that, I'm like, America, he is giving you a small glimpse into what these people do. But you know what Americans did? They ignored that because it may it would have it would have you believe that in America today, I can't walk down the street without mm-hmm. being pressed up against a police car. Just yeah. walking down the street. Right. No, in your neighborhoods, you can't. But in other zip codes, you absolutely can. And like MLK said, where everybody loves quoting him. All right. A threat to justice everywhere. I'm sorry. A threat to justice anywhere is a, it's a threat to inju- is an injustice everywhere. Mm-hmm. So when that is happening anywhere, it could be in one city, in one neighborhood. And that is enough to threaten your America. Why don't we care? If, if the poor farmer tells me he can't give subsidies for his land to raise crops, don't those farmers feed Americans? So I'm just as concerned about what he's going through. That white guy in the trailer park is his knife. If his is his is his life not valid, right? Does he have an opinion? Does he have a viewpoint? Sure he does. But you know what? You know why we can't get together? Because when he turned on his TV, he's watching one channel that tells him all blacks are taking all the welfare money and they're lazy and they're sitting at home and all the all the Hispanic and Spanish people are jumping over the fucking border, causing problems to the border patrol, and he's got all this shit flushed into his brain. So when he sees somebody like that and they have a point. All he's thinking is, nope, because I've been trained to know that you are a problem to America. And guess what the other people get to see? When they get to look at their chosen news outlet, they see that the poor white dude is the racist. Right? He's the racist because of his viewpoints and what he says. So we've all been fueled. We've all been gassed up to go against each other. Nobody really wants to listen to the next person. Nobody wants to hear their perspective. So that's why it gets me when people say, just be an American. Why don't you try being an American in spirit and listen to your fellow American brothers and sisters to understand the plights they are going through? Because if you absorb that plight, like Fred Hampton was trying to do with the Rainbow Coalition, you will understand that they're playing us in different ways, but the biggest way they play us is against each other. Because we the people is a threat to them, the government. But we won't get that shit together man we absolutely will not get it together because we all want to be right and we all want america just to spoil us 
spoil my little group. Only pay attention to me. And that's how everybody else views it. So therefore, anytime they think that you are taking away mama and daddy's money and support from them, then they want to speak up against you and had a fucking nerve to say in four years, hey, make sure you vote in favor of me because we're all together. What the fuck was you the other three and a half years? Mm-hmm. That's why every that's why every that's why everyone's suffering now. Let me get this comment up from uh, Whammy Gunslinger. Money, 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 money. He says, money. Uh, <laughs> "Whammy Gunslinger says, talk that truth." KD ain't heard from you in a while. Good to hear your passion again, partner. Um, listen, I think no, a lot of him. yeah. Um, I think we're gonna. I think we ha- we have him on the show coming up. Um, you know. I think that's true, man. I can't put it any other way. The other day, um, you know, I, I remember putting up this post, right? And I understand why people were mad. But, I, you know, when the thing happened on the border with the Haitians and the horses? Mm-hmm. You guys remember yeah. that? Yeah. And I put up a post and I just said, if you think it's okay, you know, I, if you think it's okay, it's fine up until this same kind of thing's being done to you. And there's people that got mad mad at me about it. But this is the thing. This is what happens. Everything is okay if someone convinces you that that person on the other side of that situation is not you. And and they're also not a human being and, and you can't relate to it, you know. And so one day, you know, regardless of, uh, you know, I think that probably it's true that those guys were, you know, were <laughs> whipping the horses and not whipping the guys. Right. That's all perspective. You can all look at that. The question is, if you, you know, when you see a man on a horse running down a man on his feet and you think, oh, this is no big deal. It's no big deal. It's all good until it happens to you. (laughs) Until you're the man on your feet getting run down by someone else. It's all good. And this is the thing that happens to us as human beings. We convince ourselves like it doesn't like that person is not they're not a human being like me. So what, what does it matter? And this is this is how we're getting to where we are and why now things are spinning so out of control that we're all like, well, what what the fuck is happening here? Why are we why are we living here? Because we've probably gotten to the to the most heated point in time where the minority of people can actually run everyone else, even though the majority of people agree with what's wrong and what's right and see things the way that we're discussing here. It's happening to us because we're so divided, I think. Um, you know. So uh, yeah, let me, we gotta we yeah, gotta go pull ahead. we gotta mm-hmm. pull our stuff together, man. Like even even in the in the, the freedom advocacy world. Mm-hmm. Like when people accuse me of, oh my God, you're only you're only speaking about this thing. Shit, your dumb, ignorant ass up. I'm the same one that you just listened to to two uh Latino people tell you that I mm-hmm. pushed them. <laughs> to get their ass out there and do something. Mm-hmm. And there are plenty, and I'm and I don't reveal people beyond me. Even mother there have literally been illiterate white men that have come to me that want to be firearm instructors and humble themselves and say, Brother, I want to do this, but I can't read. Mm. And I've taught them how to read and write. So don't come to me. I am more the American than half these motherfuckers that be on social media every day posting shit will ever be. Because I believe that we are only strong together, but we should not take from each other's voice when it comes to getting what we want. Like, my God, why does it, why does it have to be your way in order for it to be the perfect America? Yeah. But also, perfect America is full of imperfect fucking people. And if they are victimized or brutalized in one way, imagine the power of this. Imagine if something happened to a white dude in the Appalachians or a black dude in St. Louis. Imagine if everybody in America or the collective could see that and be like, 
Now that ain't right. I ain't from where he from. I don't speak the language he speaks. I don't even understand why he dressed like that. But that is an American, and that um, that is wrong. If imagine the power in that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, but we won't, we won't, we won't get that's there how, because of this. That's how we change shit. But, but also, it, but also, Kevin, let me say this, man. The the motherfuckers who are on, uh, you know, Instagram and Facebook and social media that you don't know, they don't matter, man. A lot of those people aren't real. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm not. There are there are folks out there who are real, who we see them all the time, we hear from them all the time, you know. But a lot of the, a lot of the, it's like a deliberate thing that they're trying to discourage people. You know, and they're trying to go in on people's social media and discourage them. So I'm just saying, like, uh, there's and there's probably some for real fucked up people out there. But I think there's a lot of people out there, especially with us, deliberately trying to get in there and drop bombs in our comments and things like that and just, you know, push us over the edge. I know that you're not going to um, that, that's I don't think that's going to affect you because I think, you know, you're you're you know you're not an easily susceptible person to that but most of those people doing that stupid shit they're not real most of most people out there have empathy with other people mm-hmm. you know? i think i think those people aren't necessarily dangerous for us in like hurting our mm-hmm. egos or anything like that but they're dangerous to the people that either have less knowledge or don't have the intestinal fortitude that we may have mm-hmm. so i think that's and that's the problem that we have with the younger generations like mm-hmm. people like us, even though, you know, we're a little bit younger than you guys, but we're in our mid thirties. Um, we understand that back in the day, like, like I said before, you dealt with things in person, either physically or at least verbally in person, you look somebody in the eye and you deal with it right there. Nowadays, you don't do that. We don't have this physical world, but we've turned like problems that happen in the digital world that are mostly purely emotional. And we act like some of those acts are almost physical. Like, you know, when they say, uh, if you say certain words, it's violence and all this stuff. So they've shifted the paradigm where young people don't even perceive reality the same way that we do. Mm-hmm. So everything that happens to them, things that would have been like a little bullshit slight in the past to us would be like, whatever, you're just talking shit. Like, I don't care about that. Um, now these kids are like, this is the end of the world. I'm going to, and you know, we see suicide rates and things and young children grow up. Mm-hmm. So we know that social media has a very negative psychological effect on people. And I think that's where the danger comes in. It's not necessarily us. It's the younger people that aren't going to know how to cope with that. And I don't think that we as adults or, you know, uh, we as the generations that live before that, we can't even fully comprehend how to combat that yet. Because for us, since we straddled the line between, you know, before social media and after we kind of look at social media sometimes and we're like, whatever, man, this is BS. Like I'm out of here, but these kids don't know anything else. Like that's mm-hmm. it for them. And I can't imagine also the environment where like, let's say you get bullied in school, you have to deal with crap back in the day. Again, you could either confront it physically or when you go home, it's done. Like you don't have to worry about when you're out of school, you're out of this school. Thing? Now, uh, Oh, what? now what? it's like, oh. Uh, now it's like, uh, you know, you get bullied in school, it can follow you home. It's going to be on social media. They're going to keep egging you on. They're going to keep going forward and pushing, pushing, pushing uh, and trolling you and getting other people to do that stuff. People make fake accounts. So you feel like maybe it's just one person trolling you, but they make a hundred accounts. You don't realize that. So you think mm-hmm. you've got a hundred people trolling you. Yeah. And obviously, I, I think again, a lot of young people are ignoring social media for that very I think they are. I think they're starting yeah. to, but mm-hmm. you know, we already saw that like uh, Facebook and Instagram had to admit that 
they were basically targeting young girls with toxic stuff and suicide mm -hmm. rates in, with young girls on IG mm -hmm. was like through the roof. Um, so, I mean, things that we may think like, oh, well, this is weak. You just got to stand up to it and it's not a big deal. We can't even comprehend it because it's basically like cradle to grave for these kids. They're out of the womb and they've already got an iPhone attached to their umbilical yeah. cord. Perception is real. Perception yeah, is reality absolutely. Um, to a lot of people. It's like, you know, they say in the Matrix, if you die in the Matrix, you you die in real life. And, you know, whether or not we feel that someone's pain is real or not, I think just to just to jog back at the risk of getting KD to get going again, whether or not we think someone's pain is real or not, that's their pain. And you have to at yeah. least listen to their pain, whether you believe it or not. You know, you have to respect what that person's pain is and then try and then start to do things with it from there, because maybe by just listening and having a conversation with that person, you could you could start to turn that around. You could start to turn around the perception. Um, and at the end of the day, what does it matter? Right. Whether it's real or not real, if it's acting on that person, it's real to them. Um, and and, no, and nothing's, nothing's wrong with that. I think people hang to your to with that point. I think what people believe is that when you listen to another person, you have to get like down in the dumps with them. And sometimes you will. Right. Sometimes mm -hmm. perception will really open your mind. And, you know, you have to go to that place to kind of, you know, associate with how they feel. At the same time, there is a balance, man. I'm all for somebody saying this is the problem. And once we understand it, I'm like, all right, get your ass off the ground. Stop crying. Mm -hmm. Get up. Because now that we know the, what the problem is, our job is to formulate a solution. And we can't do that sitting on a sitting on the ground in a fetal position crying about it, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. get, get your butt up. What can we do? Let's formulate a plan and let's go execute. And you got to do that with strength. You can't do that with, if you want to cry on the inside, that's fine. But you can't do that with weakness, right? Pow people in power don't respect weakness unless they can use it against you. That's the only way they respect it. So I'm, I'm all for that. And so people that think and what when Hank says that, like, oh, man, I don't want to be some, you know, like the dudes that are, are crying about John Gruden's emails. Right. Like what? I'm not crying about that dude's emails. No, mm -hmm. we know what the problem is. He is got this fired. A, oh, the sports step down. But this you is know, a sports he, um, thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah it's a sports thing. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't need to cry about that. When, when something happens, you can have your moment of emotions. I'm not going to deprive you of that. But you need to stand up. You need to dust yourself off. We need to come up with a plan and we need to go forward because that victimhood stuff is also not cool. Right. But you don't have to be enabling somebody to be a victim by listening to them because you're giving them the ability to have ears, somebody to share, somebody to listen. And you might be able to say, hmm, I have never had that lived experience. But you know what? I think I might have some ideas. Maybe I can toss out to you that we can work on together. And plus, whatever you think you can do and we can go solve this problem. But we cannot do this from a fetal position while begging somebody in the ivory tower to please do what's right for us. Not going to happen. Yeah, I think we also need to learn how to see situations and turn them around. And I'm, and I'm saying this for a reason. I want to jog back to something that Len Holt said real quick here. Um, and, and, I'm just, and I am deliberately trying to change things up a little bit in the last uh, 10 minutes we have. Len Holt says, I'm still trying to get a handle on how the Haitians got off the island to be at our southern border. Uh, okay, so let, let, me, let me just say this. So before the elections, <laughs> Biden and Harris... We're telling people, come to America. If you get here, we will accept you. Now, believe it, believe, I'm an immigrant, okay? But I believe there should be one line, okay? That's the fairest thing to do to everyone around the world that, uh, that's trying to get into America, right? I'm very happy to be here. But these guys said, just get here. So we have to remember that. 
So now we've got people all over the world trying to get here. One of the easiest ways to get to America right now is through Mexico. This is something <laughs> that Donald Trump was talking about. Mexico is allowing people from anywhere in the world, from India, from, from, from the Caribbean, from wherever, from, from the Middle East, to go through Mexico and show up at our border. They're taking that money. So now when those people show up there and, 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 you know, so we got Biden and Harris, they're running things, right? So just think about this. They're running things. They invited people to come over here. These guys are, you know, these guys are on the border and things happen. And people on our side are like, well, screw those guys because, you know, they're just trying to get into the country. You don't like this is the opportunity to to aim something directly at, 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 at Biden. He invited people to come here. Okay, and created the chaos that we're in. But then we look at it and we go to go back to what Kevin was saying. We look at it and we look at the people and we go, screw those people. <laughs> you know, we don't care about them. We don't care whether something's right or not. They shouldn't try to come over the border here. This is how twisted everything is. It's a stage play for you. You know, it's something that they know. Oh, yeah, this is how they're going to react to it. No one's going to get up in arms about that. But we're living in a country that if a little blonde chick disappears, everybody, you know, the presses have to stop. Mm -hmm. That's what we're this is. This is how like twisted we are. And all I'm trying to say to people is just pay attention to that and realize how twisted it is and that people are playing a game. Those guys are playing a game. They're telling everyone all over the world, come to America. They're creating the problem. And then when it gets there and you see it, you just go, oh, those people, that's people trying to come into America. And you forget the fact that those are human beings that these people told them, if you get to, if you're living outside of America and you don't have the awesomeness that's here, that's making everyone complacent. And you look at, you're in India or you're in the Middle East somewhere, you're in Haiti and you look at the news and you see the per person who's president saying come to america we'll give you a space what are you gonna do um. what are you gonna do you're gonna you're like oh well fuck it <laughs> anywhere's better than here i'm gonna try to go there i'm not saying i personally don't believe that we should just let everyone into america right we need to make one line and make it fair for people and for people who come into america they have to bring something to the table this is what I believe in. Like, make that line where the people who are bringing something to us, they're bringing things that will help America. Because I think, Kevin, you said it earlier, man. America is a, a nation of immigrants. That's mm -hmm. what's made us so so badass all these years, you know? That's what's brought us here. Okay, I know. the, the cute. Okay, <laughs> the, the cuteness came in and out. I didn't know if that was going to... I didn't know if the... Oh, no, she, she was just saying her goodnights. Yeah. Um. Yeah, um... I, I do want to point out uh, mm -hmm. DCG44S, his mm -hmm. point, a lot of those Haitians did not come direct. They have been in South America for years before coming here. Uh, facts, a lot of them had amnesty in South American countries. That's what mm -hmm. also makes it kind of messed up. They already had, you know, way off the island, you know, mm -hmm. help from whatever they were coming from and then decided, hey, you know what? Uh, the U.S. is still better than the South American country, even though they already had an out from whatever they were going through. And that's why they say um, if you go to the border where there was um, the Haitians were, were at a certain point in the border, you can see like thousands of, of ID cards from South American countries mm -hmm. on the floor. I was actually in Texas and I was like, that was the strangest thing ever. There was a whole bunch of Haitians in the airport. And a lot of them spoke Spanish, perfect Spanish, but no English. And I was like, mm -hmm. I didn't even put two and two together. I was like, this 
this Haitian man come up to me and ask me something like, do you speak Spanish? I'm like, yeah. And he asked me about something going on in the airport. I'm like, yeah, cause even in South Florida, that's unusual because down here, it's like, <laughs> yeah. if you're, if you're Latino, you speak Spanish and Haitians speak Creole in South Florida. Yeah, but, okay. But you realize that Haitians are born on an Island where yes. half no, of no, the no, Island speaks Spanish go, and absolutely. half of it speaks French. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Yeah. But yeah. the majority of Haitians DR. do not speak Spanish. Right. I mean, South Florida mm-hmm. is, we have a little Haiti here. I know a whole ton of Haitians. Mm-hmm. The majority of them do not speak Spanish. Some of them do, but the majority don't, you know, yeah. that's not a common thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you will, we, people will do what it takes to be free, and they're looking for freedom. The thing mm-hmm. is, how do you maintain that? That's the, that's the tough situation that we're going up against here. How do you maintain that freedom, right? A lot of people, what's the reason that everyone says the Democrats are trying to bring a lot of immigrants to America? What's the reason? Because they're going to vote Democrat. Yeah. And is that is that a lie? Is that a falsehood? <laughs> no, not. it isn't, because it's like anything else. If you give somebody to something, they're going to... If you give something to somebody, they're going to feel beholden to you. So, I mean, it it stands to your Mm -hmm. point, like, how are you going to get mad at somebody when they were just told, like, if you get Mm -hmm. here, you get to stay? Like, from a logical perspective, it's like, okay, so let's say that we start having crazy mandates in blue states Mm -hmm. where you need a passport to do anything, to go to the theater, to do any of that stuff. We see it in some cities right now. But let's say that happens in an entire state. Yeah. So obviously you think that a lot of people that are against that aren't going to flood to red states. And what are you going to tell them? Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously this is the U S we have free, we have, you know, freedom of movement throughout the country, but some States wanted to put hard borders during, uh, during COVID to block things off. Mm-hmm. How would you have felt if you were stuck in New York as a conservative, because you lived out in the, the Catskill mountains or something like that, where you weren't affected by New York city, but then Albany's like, we're going to have a hard border. You can't leave the state like what Canada is doing right now. You can't leave New York state unless you have a vaccine passport. What are you going to do? And then they have state police at the border preventing you. Are you going to try to dodge and get away from those cops? Are you going to try to have somebody smoke with you? Like that's a perspective for people to think about. And then they're like, well, you know, ah, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going through this. I was like, well, think mm-hmm. about what happened with COVID last year and what some states wanted to do and what you would have done mm-hmm. to stand up against that or to get out of those states. Mm-hmm. That's how people feel. So right or wrong, think about the human uh, human reasoning behind it. Have some empathy. Doesn't mean that you're going to agree and say, well, we have to bring these people in and give them asylum, but at least have that different perspective so you can have a conversation with the other side without sounding callous because you can still have the same point but argue it differently. But also, so can, yeah, but yeah. here's the thing. Also know who to blame. I yeah, think, exactly. I think that, that politicians in America – Saying to people outside of America, you can just come here. If you get here, we'll allow you in is very much similar to to someone in a movie theater yelling fire when it's not a fire. Okay. Yeah. And they should be held responsible for what they're saying because those people are putting themselves at risk. There's people dying to get to that border. Yeah. Okay. No, they're There's responsible people dying for right there. Yeah. So that so those people should be held responsible, and we have to know. Like to me, I was amazed at how we had this opportunity that Biden created this massive issue down there between Biden and Harris, and then there's there's a lot of folks on our side like, well, screw those people. <laughs> they're just trying to come into our country. <laughs> no, dude. These these people yelled fire. They told them, come over here, you'll get in. We need to hold them responsible for what they did. Yep. You know? I also think Americans, Americans need to realize this on a grand scale of things. America is a country, which you got to give her her props, 
will have many Americans standing up saying, this is the greatest country, even if they complain about half the things. They'll be like, I ain't going nowhere, though. Don't get it twisted. Right? <laughs> like, this oh, is yeah. absolutely <laughs> the greatest country. So on a, on a world scale, how often can you say that before people go and look and be like, man, is it really? And if it is, that's where I want to go. Right now, there should I agree. Absolutely. There is a process to everything. Right. Uh, There should be a process. But the human, you got to understand something. If you are living in that kind of despair. Right. Because our our, some of our poor people are rich to some of these people. Mm -hmm. Right. So they're going to people on people on welfare in America doing way better. You know, a dude just walking around, uh, you know, somewhere in West Africa. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So you got to understand the human spirit is going to it's like you saying, yo, we got the best uh, cheeseburgers in town. Um, trust me, and eventually people are going to show up to <laughs> to be like, all right, let me get that cheeseburger, son. because You've been talking for a long time about mm-hmm. how good these burgers are. Right. So it's, it's the same process. And you don't have to we can agree or disagree about the process of letting people in. That's fine. However, you got to understand uh, you can't keep shining yourself as the beacon of hope, liberty and freedom and expect people not to run to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm a hundred percent like I w- I wouldn't leave my door open to my house. No, you know of what I'm saying. Not. If you go yeah. past my oh, gate and come up, if you go past my yeah. gate and come on my property, we got issues. No, I gotta vet yeah. you before I let you in in my house, yeah. and you gotta follow some of my rules too. Like, yeah, that's just respectful. But, it, but if somebody out yep. there, if someone yep. out there tells you that I have free cheeseburgers in here, and you come over, I'm gonna stop you. But I'm gonna try to find that mofo. <laughs> Who was who was uh, sending you? Who was sending you over I, here? You know, Alan Powell brings that. up a great comment that we will mm-hmm. not have enough time to go on, on mm-hmm. a rant with. They need to stay there and make their own country better. Uh, Katie and I can start talking about Iran Contra and all those things and talk about how a lot of South America is very effed up because of what the CIA and the intelligence yeah. agencies did to topple their governments. So. Be a little bit careful when you say that, because sometimes these governments are corrupt well, because the U.S. made them corrupt. It's a historical it's a historical yeah. fact that America has meddled in Haiti from pretty yes. much day yes. one. <laughs> yep. That's a historical fact that America has done that. Sorry. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, that that just goes deeper. And, and again, that's yeah. kind of the things you have to realize, like uh, 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 what economic hitmen are a thing. The CIA and the intelligence agencies have done a lot of bad stuff. The Colombian drug cartels are empowered because of the CIA. They created that problem, and that was under Ronald Reagan, who his wife also created the D.A.R.E. program, which is very ironic that you had mm. <laughs> you had the CIA running guns, and then you brought in drugs. Uh, the Clinton, in the, the Clintons ran a number on Haiti, man. I mean, come yeah. on. All of this oh, stuff yeah. is the all of this is owns Haiti, and they've, they've yeah. been corrupt there. So, I mean, yeah. a lot of this stuff has happened. So just be a little bit careful because you don't know who may have caused the problem in the first place that now we're dealing with. I mean, who yeah. gave money, who gave weapons to the Afghans during uh, their war with the Soviets that then they turned around and used those weapons against us. And now we've given them more weapons again. So yeah. we'll probably have to deal with I mean, it in another 20 years. Yeah. And at the and same then, time, at the same time, I mean, we can't run. So if we have problems yeah. here in America, we've got to, you know, we, we got to fix our shit. So, exactly. yeah, think about think about when the border happened. And everybody, whether you agreed or disagreed, everybody was for, focused on the southern border. But who are the people that were being brought in by the plane loads into this country? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do agree like that. They got they it is so, so simple how this government plays us. Hey, guys, look south so you don't pay attention to what we're doing north. Yeah. Yeah. 
And don't pay right? attention Our, to all the uh, the chi Chinese communists that come over too, and their government gives them citizenship because they know, hey, now they're dual citizens, so now we can use them as basically government agents to buy stuff for the Chinese government because they're citizens yep. and you can't kick them out. So, look I mean, how there's many, way look more. How many people in how many, you know, in China, the way that they control and they, they do commerce and everything, China owns everything. Like mm -hmm. in China, you never owned your land, right? The okay. Chinese government owns your land, right? So, but think about how many individuals they've sent from China that are still Chinese citizens that buy up massive amounts of land in America. Mm -hmm. So we're being invaded in all kind of ways, mm -hmm. right? So don't get so in your, you know, I want our border secured. And that's cool because I agree with that. I like that, Hank, I love your analogy. Uh, I'm not just going to leave the front door of my house open, right? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. However, don't be so distracted by one thing, you're forgetting how you're being invaded in other ways. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Don't, don't focus on the wall when they can just use a plane to fly right over that wall that you built. So there's not a wall big enough that you can build if you're letting them in through your airports. So No, exactly. Brian yeah. Quick in the chat says, how many years have to go by in order to stop using the past to indict the present? When, when, the, when, the, when history stops being repeated. That's and, basically it. And also when it's still not affecting. I mean, those things are still in effect. Those things are still like there is direct dominoes. So, you know what I'm saying? Like there's a direct correlation. It's not like those things are like, oh, that's been in the past. That doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. No, there's direct links to what's happening now. Uh, and we're still, we're, we're enslaved. We're enslaved by our comfort. I mean, I think people need to remember that. You know, mm -hmm. we are very comfortable in America. We have it really good. That's why there's a lot of people that want to come here. This is the number one reason. I mean, we can't deny it, right? But we are enslaved by that comfort that we have and the, and the price and the cost of that comfort. That's why we don't push back. And I'm not saying like we, like everyone else out there, all of us. The real we, we are all enslaved by that. And it's when we come to that point that we're like, well, fuck the comfort. <laughs> you know, this shit has gone too far. That's when everything changes. But, you know, who, who knows where the uh, where the dice finally stops rolling on that. Um, let me let me get this in from Armin and Axis money, real money, quick. Money, 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 He says, uh, money. great show, great <laughs> guests from Armin and Axis. Thank you. Appreciate that. I think it's, you know, once we get going, man, like it's tough to even stop. <laughs> That's yeah. how it is. Yeah. You know, if Kevin doesn't like tote on that, on that stogie over there, you know, <laughs> he just keep going. <laughs> um, so listen, I think we should probably wrap it up. We're over. We're past. Uh, the nine o'clock hour here. And I would definitely say to folks that if you want to continue this conversation with my friend, Kevin Dixie, listen very closely because he's about to tell you right now where you can go and have these conversations with him. Um, and, hey, if you get smacked up, I don't feel sorry for you. But Kevin, tell, <laughs> tell people out there, how can they, where can they find you? Where can they talk to you, support you, etc. All right, you can um you can follow me at the real NOC on all your platforms, the real NOC for no other choice. Uh, you can also hit us up at noorthechoice.com, info at noorthechoice.com if you want to send us an email about anything. Uh, those are the ways to to reach me. You can do firearms training on the website. You can also see links to all kind of goodies and doodads, discounts, and you can also buy directly from No Other Choice for all your your firearms accessories if you want to support the company in that way. Uh, but yeah, that's the way to interact with us. Also, look out 
for the launch uh, coming this winter of Stogies and Straps. That is going to be the platform that I'm, uh, the podcast platform that I'm launching that's going to open up these type of conversations with different experts around the country. We're going to have them in studio, in a cigar bar, sitting back, relaxing in comfortable leather chairs to have more of these type of conversations from education, politics, um, two-way stuff, you name it, we're going to talk about it. So I look forward to engaging with you guys. Come find me. Awesome. Thank you. Let me get this in from Smash Time before money, I go money, over money, money. to Joanna money. Rolando here. <laughs> Smash Time just says Smash Time. So there you go. Smash Time. <laughs> Shout out to him. Um, as he says, am I early? Yeah, okay. All right. Whatever. Uh, yeah, you real early, bro. Real early. Okay, Joanna Rolando. Um, tell the folks out there, I'm sure there are folks out there who would like to hear more from you guys, be able to communicate with you and even support you. How can they do that? We are the Locked and Loaded Latinos. You can find us on YouTube on Sundays at 7 p.m. We have a podcast that is live as well. And on the social medias, we are Locked, Loaded Latinos. Uh, individually, my name is Latina, Locked and Loaded, just to make things confusing <laughs> that is the with border. the letter N. With the letter N. Locked and loaded. Locked and loaded. Yeah. And that yeah. over there, my better half is the Puerto Rican Pistolero. Yep. So you can uh, check out our show uh, usually every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, unless Joe's traveling. We usually do it on Saturdays, and uh, we also do some video game streaming on the side as well, and talk about uh, these things. And apparently, uh, people like our our theme song. I think it's kind of. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. Um, I, once once Rolando gets going, how do you actually uh, stop him? Like once he gets you, on a. You stuff. don't. He just kind of like eventually like. Joe just usually looks at me and she's like, oh, I was talking with Tony Simon about like this latest culinary uh, obsession that we have. I have no idea what you said, but I'm sure that the chat liked it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because he'll turn to me and like, what? What, what do you, you think, think, Joe? Just I'm just like, on this huge rant. I'm like, I have no idea what you were saying. I was talking to Tony in the chat about <laughs> yeah. like Korean food, so you can so, keep talking. So oh. she she hears it. She hears the rants in real life all the time. So on the show, oh. she's just like, I've when, heard this. When argument. you live with it, and it's just not as it's it's. Joe will tell you it's authentic. The rants don't change that much. If anything, I I may take it a notch down to not curse. When I'm oh, on, the on the show, I was going to be like a notch <laughs> down on real life. No way. No, no that's right. So she gets the un, the unfiltered, uncensored versions. Right. I, I usually do the hand thing. Like I start like making like hand motions, like tone it down. All right, let's calm down. Bring it down. Breathe. Yeah. As you as you guys just saw from this show, no one gets in Kevin Dixie's way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, but you'll make the face, too. That's why I wait for Kevin's eyes to pop out. And he's like, oh, he went there. Oh, damn. When he starts getting quiet, I just go, oh, shit. That's when I knew I've done good. When I make <laughs> yeah. Katie's eyes pop out, that means oh, I said something like, no. oh, shit. <laughs> when I see him getting quiet, I'm like, I could tell when he's ramping up. Mm -hmm. He gets he gets very quiet. And I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I'm just, I just want us all <laughs> I just want us all to be better man like yeah. I, I love everybody equally man I just want us all to be together I want us to all listen to each other because ultimately I want us all to leave our children the country that mm -hmm. you know America is capable of being I just want us all to be better yeah absolutely I agree and I think we all do want to be better um, so listen we're gonna I'm gonna run in the end and then we're gonna come back I don't know who's dropping words of wisdom on us tonight I don't know if it's gonna be KD or uh, the Latinos locked and loaded loaded locked how about we let the lady do it 
Yeah. Okay. yeah I'm good with yeah. that. I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Start working on it, uh, Joe. Start working on that. Um, big shout out to Barnules. I, I want to shout those guys out for supporting us here. They're makers of performance steel case ammunition. Uh, big thanks to those guys as well as, like I said, you guys, we have links in the description and all that for Blackout Coffee. So you guys can go check that out. Get some good coffee. They have hot chocolate as well as tea and all that stuff. So I'm going to, I'll be giving you guys some more stuff. Maybe we'll get them to come on the show and all that as well. Let me run the end in. We'll be right back with uh, Words of Wisdom. All right, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us here. Make sure you smash those thumbs ups, ring the bell. We're going to rip the audio out of this and throw it up on iTunes and all your other favorite places to watch and or to listen to your audio podcasts. Um, as I said, we are on the Firearms Radio Network. So big shout out to all those folks who are coming in and listening to us on that. Uh, Joanna, words of wisdom. Uh, so... Um human nature. We're going to go with that. We were talking about learning to listen to people and and not being tribalistic. And I just got to, not going to make it pessimistic, but I do need to bring it back to human nature. And, you know, we were talking about left and right and all that stuff. We really need to look within ourselves and see if we are open to letting that human nature of tribalism go and being more open to accepting other people. And that you know, I see a lot of that within our own community that we don't do that. And we need to start looking at ourselves to change ourselves first before we can look at others and expecting them to change. So those are my words of wisdom for tonight. Awesome. I think well said. Well said. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we will see you all tomorrow. We're out of here. Peace. See ya. Peace.